Oh, hi, podcast listeners. There's many ways you can listen to The Real Nerds Podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can also subscribe on Stitcher Radio. You want to send us a Twitter message? You can do that. It's so easy, at Real Nerds. Like us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com, where there'll be a lot of articles for you to not only read, but to listen to our previous shows. Do you like your stories told through pictures? Then you can also follow us at Real Nerds on Instagram. You can also call us, 720-6Nerds5. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Here we go again, it's our film explosion. The movie countdown of real devotion. It could get long, so bring your ibuprofen. I'm telling you all, it's a film explosion. What's got the best acting? What's got the best direction? The cream of the crop, here's our selection. From comedy to drama, even black exploitation. I'm telling you all, it's a film explosion. I'm telling you all, it's a film explosion! Film explosion! I'm ready if you're ready, Brad. Well, I'm ready. I want you to buckle in, Bonehead. You're well, going for a ride. Why don't you both be ready? <laughs> oh man, my sunglasses. My man witch. <laughs> my man witch. I still think that's one of the greatest lines ever in any show. <laughs> um, to set the stage before we start this film explosion, it's Futurama. It's like an early episode. Or maybe the It's the one where they find Atlanta. The yeah. lost city of Atlanta. Uh, but I, I want to say it's like the second season. Maybe it is the second season. Is it? Yeah, yeah it is. And um, they're all stranded. Thank you, Corinne. They're, well, they're, all st- fi- they're fishing. They're yeah. fishing in the middle of the ocean, and Leela is tired of not being able to catch a fish so she grabs oh was it her or somebody somebody grabs hermes's man witch and he says my, my man witch as it's used as bait <laughs> and then they keep using it throughout the series have you watched the new ones yet no uh, i need to i i need to i'm happy the way it ended but i i want to watch more <laughs> but this is real nerds podcast we are the best podcast on the internet Self-proclaimed and proclaimed by many across the world. Our biggest listening audience is right here in the United States. Our second busy, uh, biggest is Australia, followed by India. Crikey, <laughs> as know. they say in the Australian land. I mean, it's cool that Australia is, but I'm really stoked that we've penetrated the Asian market with India. Yeah. Um, with the Australian one, I'm imagining it's just Paul Hogan replaying our episodes on a loop, right? That's what I it hope. is. Well, I, I think hope. it's because James is a Crocodile Dundee fan. <laughs> no, there has to be one. <laughs> Every week we see a new movie and we podcast our experience to the world, except this week we're going back 10 years. Brad and I were on the podcast. Zach was almost there. Um, Actually, this was my debut year. Yep. Yeah. Corinne, what was your debut year? 2016. It doesn't matter when you're... Um, So, um, Brad and I have done a film explosion in 2013, but it's always fun to go back and revisit them sometimes. Um, Time just repeats itself. It does. Over and over. It is. Time is is a straight line, but if it breaks off, we might be here, we might be here. Might be in an alternate 1985. Yes. But... um, Brad, you can speak for yourself. Wait, I'll speak for you. Oh, cool. Thanks. Um, <laughs> uh, 
makes I, life easier. I when Fucking I do Ryan this explaining. and I go back and I make lists for film explosions I've already done, they usually don't change too often. But how I kind of change them, um, if I obviously if I discover a film from there that I didn't watch that I love, but I also kind of recalibrate how many times have I watched this movie since then, and um, and that kind of affects my rankings. Brad, how, how does it affect yours? Are your rankings the same this time? Yeah, for sure. Uh, rewatchability is a big one. You know, going back to this year, uh, I don't. You know, there weren't a lot of like other movies that I saw that made it onto the list since then. But there was a lot of shakeup between like the the rankings. You know, what, like, I really considered like, yeah, wow, there. I I really I've only watched this movie once, and that was in 2013. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah so definitely a lot of. I think of all of my. Uh, like our redo years, this one, I think the, the lineup has changed the most. Interesting. Mm. Interesting. I'll make a revelation of all the years that I've been with this podcast. This is the only year where I never made a list period. So this was the first time I've had to actually accumulate the year of 2013 into 10 selections. And I was kind of shocked what I ended up deciding. (laughs) Same. Yeah. Uh, We're joined by Zach and Corinne on this film explosion. Hello. And if you've never listened to our film explosions, what we're going to do is we have our 10 favorite films of the year, each of us. Um, Not necessarily critical darlings, although some might be, but what we think (laughs) are the best films and the ones we have the most fun with. Um, And then we'll rattle them off. We'll introduce the film, play the trailer, then talk about them. Um, There could be tag team reviews. There could be sweeps. Um I am stoked that we see my boy Robert Downey Jr. on the the menu and the cool Iron Man three uh, font. Um, I'm going to spoil this a little bit and say that uh, what you're about to experience is probably the least consensus of our lists together. So really, um, it's all over the map. A lot hmm. of different choices in a lot of different places. So. Well, it's a good way to give people a breadth of the year that was 2013 yeah. then, I guess. Uh, the only thing that's annoying is I go last, and I'm kind of pissed about that, because that means I'm going to have to sit they, here they and listen to everybody else. Last, yeah, I'm right? ahead of you. Yeah. That feels weird. <laughs> I shouldn't be ahead of Ryan. Uh Let's just clarify, though. It's not because of, like, you know, our rankings in the podcast. It's just for flowability. Um, no, no, flowability. no, Brad's ranking efficiency. us all. <laughs> thinking efficiency. I like flowability more. I'm sure. just shocked that Brad put Corinne first of like the hey, four Siri. people that he enjoys the most. Is flowability a word? <laughs> no, it is not. What word? Well, all words are made up, so. <laughs> yes, that's a Thor saying. Um, just so you know, it is. <laughs> What's the word? I didn't hear it. Uh, flowability. Oh, that's yeah. It seems like that'd be a word. Yeah, it's the capacity to move by the flow that characterizes fluids and loose particles solids. So pretty much exactly what I meant. Oh, I thought it would have been defining a project management term. Never mind. <laughs> I heard Merriam-Webster adds like six hundred new words to the dictionary every year. So I feel like make up whatever you want. It's going to become a word. Yeah, I I do mm. love that callback though because that's one of my favorite lines in any Marvel movie. Oh yeah, uh, is that sounds like a made up word? All words are made, made up. up. <laughs> yes. It's true. Yeah. It's such a brilliant line. Um, anyways, let's start the countdown. Corinne. Oh, uh, oh, go ahead. Are, are we going to do a little time travel? Like, what was 2013 like to, you know, sure. our youngest <laughs> listeners? <laughs> uh, 2013 was a magical time where they said this was the end of Iron Man in the Marvel Universe. Um, and then Robert Downey Jr. signed another contract. 
Yes. Um, uh, this is, it was a significant year because we did a web series. Um, yeah. That was award-winning and That's uh, right. got millions and millions of views. Well, uh, you know what's <laughs> interesting, though? Is I actually got messaged by Jonathan Tiersten last night. What? Yeah. Um, He's like, please take my voice out of your podcast. <laughs> no. So, actually, he sent me... Um, on my birthday, he sent me his cover of Ooh La La, which is a Rod Stewart song, hmm. and it was really good. And then he sent me a message saying, hey, because right now he's a tennis pro in California that teaches kids. Damn. Nice. Um, and Is there anything that man can't do? <laughs> right. <laughs> so he sent me a message saying he's about to go on tour again. And I says, oh, man, you should sing this song, this song. So you need an opening act? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I told him you should sing this song and this song. And he says, oh, maybe you should you know, write my set list. I said, well, I don't know how to make it flow. And I'd force you to work in that song you sang for our show. (laughs) (laughs) And he says, maybe for the encore. So I don't think that's going to happen, but you know, I just put it out there. That's awesome. Yeah, no, it was nice. And he said he uh, missed us. He can play it uh, with uh, the projected uh, video of him singing it to you uh, lovingly. <laughs> yes. Yes, you too, Jonathan. I rescreened your episode at a uh, local film event uh, a couple weeks ago, and they laughed a lot. They enjoyed mm-hmm. it. Nice. Of course, because I wrote it. I mean, <laughs> fuck. Nice. The episode that I was most involved in the creation of is our most popular one. Has it has nothing, nothing to do, to do, do with, with an Star actual Sleepaway actor camp. being in you, the You just made me realize, because I know I'm on the ghost one, but I forgot that I'm actually one of the two people in the van that grab, I think it's James. Yeah. Um, and uh, what was his, was his, was it Jake as well? Yeah, his brother. God, I remember that day now. I, yeah. I will say rewatching, because I did rewatch him recently. And they are, they hold up really well, but the ghost one is pretty fucking raunchy. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I go, man, this one is. I I have not shown that to my girlfriend yet because I'm just like, okay, how do I explain all the lines Brad had me do? (laughs) Yeah, I don't think it holds up. (laughs) I think it passes the. uh... It's yeah. it's it's a prime title for for Ballyhoo because we have to contextualize what was going on <laughs> yeah. in 2013. Well, well, introduce it and saying is a different time. Hi, I'm Letter Malton. <laughs> Dog fucking is wrong. <laughs> you know how people say like, oh, the you know the 50s were a different time. Like <laughs> 10 years ago was a different time. <laughs> yeah, it's it's still really funny, and I mean, obviously, I get the humor in it. Mm-hmm, yeah. But when you watch it now, you're like, man, we got away with a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Do yeah. you remember, like, because the, uh, the family wasn't supposed to be a cockfight. What was the other idea? Do you remember? No. God dang it. I don't remember. I was, I was you know, conflicted on these two ideas and eventually went with the one that cost the less, least. <laughs> so, uh, whatever. Remember. But you should, um, you should watch them. And I think we have two Blu-rays left. Or is yeah. it only one? Yeah, let's say two. That has the super cut of like three hours of bloopers mm-hmm. that you need to watch. Yeah. It's a lot of fucks. <laughs> it's one of my favorite Blu-rays on the shelf. Cause it's just, you, it, cause it like lines up with all the other local stuff that Brad's done. And I'm just like, ah, that's a nice thing to oh. just have. It's also special. Cause that's the only raw files of the footage that exists anymore since that hard drive died. So yeah, I'm so great. Grateful that we lost that hard drive. Because we actually shot a whole episode for season two. Is that is that, that Brad had to lay in ice water for like an hour to get a shot? Yep. And yep, that's gone. And, you know, the only picture is I still have it on my Facebook feed is of me and you like talking about a scene. Mm. Yeah, that's that's a bummer. That is a huge. Maybe that's what happened to George Lucas's original Prince of Star Wars. He's like, well, I guess I lost him in the hard drive. <laughs> so, so Corinne, yes, we were assholes before you even knew us. 
<laughs> I figure this much. <laughs> um, cool uh, Ten Rings marker to move across. Yeah, that's pretty dope, man. It also symbolizes the ten films. Oh, my God. Wait a minute. Yeah, for those of you who We won't even see them coming. Can't see uh, the uh, menu for this year. I've uh, The original 2013 was just a bunch of giant fireball with uh, the impact font on top of it. Is, uh, is the infancy of film explosion, so mm-hmm. film explosion. And then, yeah, 10 years later, uh, you know, the most popular movie from that year was probably Iron Man 3, or hi- certainly the highest grossing. You, you know what I love, too, is my iPhone recognizes film explosion as a word now, so I never have to spell it out. Yeah. Me neither. I guess Merriam-Webster added that one to the dictionary, too. <laughs> Good work, Brad. <laughs> film explosion, definition, some random show that happens annually in Denver. Yes. So Perfect. Yeah, our menu screen is Iron Man 3 themed. You can't see it, but uh, you can imagine it. Or you can look on our Instagram and Facebook yeah. and pages Twitter. and see the cool menu. You know, Brad, if you ever win on our put more videos on our Real Nerds YouTube channel, it'd be fun if you did like the sweeps and put like these up here and let like. Uh, yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to do the sweeps because it's, it's copyrighted footage. So I think YouTube would just. Oh, that's it. right. YouTube yeah. is no fun anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Boo. Yeah. <laughs> You've changed, man. I used to think you were cool. <laughs> now you have AI algorithms and shit. You just got to say it like Jimbo in season five of The Simpsons where he's like, I'm going to business school. <laughs> no! Corinne, your first movie better kick us off on the right way, foot or I'm gonna. it's going to be a long three hours. Um, I'm not going to vouch for it, but at least for me personally, 2013 – this was kind of a weird list to put together. A lot of these movies I enjoy, but I don't love them. Even my number one, I'm still kind of like, you know, it was the best movie that year in my opinion, but I still, I'm not going to like go to go to bat for it. But it, anyway, so a lot of these films Wait, I did saw, you just say your number one movie you're not going to go to bat for? Well, uh, not, not against some other favorites of mine. Gosh, I it's think it's. I think it's kind of like how you guys sometimes feel about past ones, where like it's hard to fill out the list per se. Um, I don't know. Anyways, sorry, Corinne, to interrupt you. Well, I was just gonna say that 2013. I was still living in Wichita. Um, had my first job out of college. I went to see a lot of these movies with my family and friends. And this one, my number ten, I remember going to see at the drive-in, and it was honestly kind of a fun time. So here it is. what 100 million buys, huh? It wasn't that hard to find you, Toretto. Wasn't hiding. Last week, a team of highly coordinated drivers took down an entire military convoy. You're gonna help me catch a team responsible. And why is that? I'm chasing this crew across 12 countries. This was taken a week ago. I need your help, Dom. I need your team. You got the best crew in the world standing right in front of you. Give them a reason to stay. Our target's Owen Shaw. For years, they've been running jobs in Europe, but their most recent jobs graduated them to a whole new level. You get as close to Letty and we'll get you Shaw. And you give us full pardons all the way around. That's the deal. Take it or leave it. 
ride or die. We're not dealing with cops, but drug dealers. I've never seen this before. This code you live by makes you predictable. I can reach out and break you whenever I want. You believe in ghosts? Maybe the lady we once knew is gone. You don't turn your back on them, even when they do. We talk of vehicular warfare. This is not what we do. So my number 10 is Fast and the Furious 6, or whatever the hell it's called. And uh, like I said, I saw this in the drive-thru, or at a drive-in movie (laughs) theater. (laughs) 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 It might as well have been a drive-thru for how much I paid attention to it. But that's what I'm saying is like, it was honestly the perfect drive-in movie because you just kind of looked up whenever an action scene was going on and then you zoned out or talked to your friends whenever they started talking or something. Um, I just remember the scene when they get to the runway at the very end of the movie and looking over at my friends going, how the hell long is this runway? This has been going on for 20 minutes and this plane hasn't run out of tarmac yet. Um, but yeah, I guess the fast chise is a weird one for me because I've only seen half the movies, but yeah, this was kind of a fun theater experience. So I wanted to put it on the list, even if it was a low spot. So my number 10 fast and furious six. Yep. It's okay. I mean, it has the rock in it, which is always a plus. Um, but, yep. It, it, for me, it was a bummer because I think five is so great. And mm-hmm. See, six I never saw wasn't five. quite as good. Seven's an improvement from six. I agree. I don't think I ever saw seven all the way through. Oh, seven is the is is Brian the movie. Like it's I it's know. it's all dedicated to that final moment, man. Mm-hmm. It's it's actually very touching. Agreed. Brad, number ten. Sam, yeah, my number ten was on my original list, uh, but I had not seen it since two twenty thirteen uh, until last night. Thousands of years ago. Early man gathered around the fire, developing the myths that define their culture. So we sit at the table, building heroes, and sing through them ourselves. Think your Xbox can do that? I don't have an Xbox. Good for you. I play World of Warcraft, though. It's Scott Wiedemeyer. We have an open seat starting Tuesday. What kind of games do you guys uh, host here? As a matter of fact, we have an opening for a new player. Hey guys, this is Miles. I brought a six pack if anyone wants one. Is that cool? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Beer's cool. Miles is pretty funny tonight, huh, Scott? <laughs> I am Ulrich Benavon, keeper of the Stones of Light. I'm gonna throw my sword at his head. That's not what you're supposed to do. Role playing is about more than just being funny, you know. What's hard is to get people emotionally invested in the story. 
Nana, you promised you wouldn't disturb the game. I'm just making myself a sandwich. Well, it's disturbing. No, you and your friends sitting in there pretending to be elves and fairies. That's what's disturbing. Wake up, guys. You can't trust him. He's not your friend. He's my nemesis. Huh. You want a game? You want my game? I'll give you a game. At the end of the day, it's a game. Don't you think there's more to it than that? The gods demand retribution! Whoops. Knock! Sorry, I thought this was a bathroom. Come with me now, and all is forgotten. And everyone gets 500 experience points. Yeah, my number 10 is uh, Zero Charisma, uh, a movie that seemingly has disappeared from existence. Uh, I tried to own it when it came out, but it was like on DVD, so I was like, I'll wait for the Blu-ray. And 10 years later, that doesn't exist. It was free on YouTube. Um, yeah, it's about a dungeon master um, who they uh, lose one of their their players, so he recruits a new guy, and the new guy is... Uh, more likable and charismatic and qu- quickly wins everyone over and sort of changes the game. So it, uh, it begins a rivalry uh, between these two <laughs> characters. And, um, yeah, there's just a lot of, like, deep cuts to nerd culture in it and, um, you know, just, like, uh, Dungeons & Dragons uh, role-playing homages. Uh, uh, at one point, uh, a, a Gary Gygax type character shows up to a conference that they uh get into fight with and all that and uh yeah it's a it's just a fun indie movie that you know i enjoyed and uh enjoy it a little bit even more that uh, now it's faded into obscurity mm. huh. nice. so but yeah i enjoyed it and I, I figured i'd keep it on the list i i was gonna take it off uh because i was like man i haven't seen this in 10 years and Feel, doesn't feel relevant at all so it must have been just the experience of seeing it but i watched it last night i was like yeah that's yeah i, I was okay to leave that one of the blurbs in the trailer set calling it the taxi driver of nerd movies has me extremely curious yeah, i don't know about that <laughs> yeah it's like that's a very definable movie what, what do you mean <laughs> zach number 10 all right um so my number 10 uh, i i this was tough for me because there's a each of these movies has a has a certain meaning behind it for me like emotionally because 2013 wasn't the greatest year in my life uh looking back and a lot of my days were spent drinking but each film means something to me my number 10 is a film that i think people would assume i'd have higher i love it but um it's it doesn't compare to the other nine for me but here it is My name is Jordan Belfort. The year I turned 26, I made $49 million, which really pissed me off because it was three shy of a million a week. We're making a name for ourselves. Nobody knows if the stock is going to go up, down, sideways, or in circles. You know what a fugazi is? Fugazi. It's a fake. Hey, fugazi, fugazi. It's a wazi, it's a woozy, it's a fairy dust. Was all this legal? Absolutely not. We were making more money than we knew what to do with. We don't work for you, man. Yeah, my money tape kid boobs. Technically, you do work for me. What's wrong, Daddy? But watch you bring home. Oh my God. 
FBI. Any kind of booze you might want? No, the Bureau forbids us from drinking. How does this actually work? There's a big money sign. They get launched at the time, they stick. Yeah. This is their gift, okay? They're built to be thrown like a lawn dart. Stop. Okay. Safety first. Safety is safety yeah. is first. We don't want to get a bad reputation. So yeah, my number 10 is Wolf of Wall Street. Um I love the movie. I do. Uh <laughs> I it took me a while uh like maybe like about a year after the movie came out to realize that of all, of the many people that did go to this film because it was a big box office hit uh that apparently a lot of people were learning the wrong thing from the movie. <laughs> Uh, which very much shocked me. It was one of the first like eye-opening things going like, people watch Martin Scorsese movies and admire these people? What the fuck? Um, but yeah, no, I, I still maintain it. it's a solid piece. It's a it's a wonderful three-hour epic of excess and the 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 vi- the vitriolic like seediness of, of Wall Street and how it pract- was practiced then and probably now. Uh with solid performances all around it, uh we were talking about it during the trailer but yeah leo is amazing in this film and it's interesting watching scorsese play with comedy because he doesn't always do it beyond maybe a couple scenes and this is arguably a dark comedy all around um so it's interesting like the quaalude scene is filled with tension but it's also fucking hilarious uh it uh the way it's played out um so yeah it's it's a solid entry. It's one I don't go to it um, back too often in his filmography, comparatively. But it's definitely something I I remember when I'm seeing it in a theater, just listening to people laughing along with it and and engaging in the material. It's it's a very it was a memorable experience. So so yeah, number ten, Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, my number ten is a film. Uh, James isn't here, but him and I swear on this film. That it's tons of fun. Hmm. Is it mm-hmm. a great film? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Is it one of the best films? Probably not. But for me, too, and as people have listened to this podcast long enough know, a lot of times my film explosion lists are always like peppered with maybe not the best films, but films I just love to watch. And this is definitely one of them. In fact, I own three versions of this film, having just picked up the Ultra HD like two years ago. Nice. Here's my number 10. You may know me and my sister, we have a past. We almost died at the hands of a witch. Now, we kill witches for a living. Who am I kidding? We could do this shit for free. 
the last two weeks, we've had five witch attacks. A witch does not come out in the open like that. There's something else going on here. I'm not going to have you telling me what to do. What is this place? This is our old house. Our parents didn't abandon us. They were murdered. You finally found your way home. Oh my god. You know what I say? Burn them all. One thing this job has taught me over the years, don't eat the fucking candy. Hansel and Gretel, witch hunters. How do you best kill a witch? Cutting off her head tends to work. I hate that one. Uh, my number 10 is Hansel and Gretel, witch hunters. Um, it isn't a serious movie. It's an action comedy that takes place in this town where they hire Hansel and Gretel to kill the witches. And you learn more about their past and it's just fun. I love that no one tries to have an English accent. <laughs> They're just yeah. like, fuck it. We don't care. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's just, it's, it's just a fun ride to go on and it's, it's a fun movie to experience. And James and I swear by this movie <laughs> that it's uh, it's a, just a good movie to put on mm. and kind of lose yourself in it. And I always forgot that MTV movies used to be a thing. Um, was this the film that defined um, the consistency of a ringer selection for the film explosions? It is. It is definitely one of them mm. um, that there will probably be one on this year's film explosion. Just be ready guys. Oh, I've got my ringer coming up pretty um, soon. So yeah, my number 10 is Hansel and Gretel, witch hunters, comedy, horror, and it's funny. Would be comedy. Corinne, number nine. Um, my number nine is the second installment of a trilogy. Truly. The tales and songs fall utterly short of your enormity. Oh, Smaug, the stupendous. We are the dwarves of Elabor. We have come to reclaim our homeland. I offer you my help. Now that we know it won't betray us. We don't. There is no king under the mountain, nor will there ever be. It will not end here. With every victory, this evil will grow. Legolas has grown very fond of you. Do not give him hope where there is none. You have no right to enter that mountain. I have the only right. We've been blind. In our blindness, our enemy has returned. I found something in the Goblin Tunnels. What did you find? My courage. Good. You need it. Dragon fire and ruin. That is what you will bring upon us. He cannot see beyond his own desire. I will not risk this quest for the life of one burglar. 
His name is Bilbo. So my number 10 is The Hobbit, uh, The nine. Desolation of Smaug. Nine. Oh, whatever. My number nine is The Hobbit, The Des- Desolation of Smaug. Um, the Hobbit trilogy is very rough around the edges. This movie in particular has a lot of stuff. I'm totally fine if they had cut it, if they had just taken this and done the two-part Guillermo del Toro project that they initially wanted to do mm-hmm. instead of, you know, just spanning it out into this trilogy. But when I heard that Benedict Cumberbatch was cast as Smaug, my little nerd heart grew three sizes that day. So seeing Smaug on the big screen with Martin Freeman as Bilbo and um, Richard Armitage as Thorin Oakenshield. Yeah. The, it's not perfect, but it had enough that I enjoyed um, to put this on my list. So I do think the casting is perfect in mm-hmm. these movies, even if everything else was really, really rough. Um, but yeah, that smog scene still just, it's its a heck of a lot of fun. I feel like even the rough edges of the Hobbit trilogy are are completely forgiven in my mind because I Peter Jackson's earned my trust to go back to that world on his terms. Um, yeah, it's got bloated moments, but I... I don't care. I just love the world he's built for him. So if I get more scenes with Christopher Lee, so be it. You know? That's true. Yeah. I do like the scene where they go and confront the, what's it called? The necromancer. The necromancer, yeah. Even though it doesn't make a lick of sense, but. No, not at all. It is just cool to see those characters all united, sort of like a little Lord of the Rings Avengers Mm -hmm. there for a half second. Also, Tolkien fans can be elitist, so I appreciate when these movies tend to twist them a little bit. (laughs) This is a series with elves and fairies and wizards, like, and some parts aren't believable? Yeah. <laughs> Similar to Star Wars, which is why people shouldn't be so pissed off when Star Wars doesn't go their way. <laughs> so my number nine is The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smaug. Fun. <laughs> Brad, number nine. Uh, my number nine is um, is on here. I, it's another one I haven't watched since the theater. Um, but it's still on here because it's probably the, one of the most interesting and best ex- 3D experiences I've ever had. Explore's been hit. Explore. Do you read? Explore. Explore. Astronaut is off-structured. Dr. Stone is off-structured. Dr. Stone's detached. You must detach. Don't detach that arm for the carry you too far. Listen to my voice. Focus. Oh, 
So where's home, Dr. Stone? Lake Zurich, Illinois. Was there somebody down there looking up, thinking about you? I had a daughter. A little girl with brown hair. Tell her that I'm not quitting. There it is. My number nine is Gravity. Um, yeah, like I said, I haven't seen it since the theater in 2013. And I don't know if I want to watch it again <laughs> because I can't recreate that experience um, at home. Like maybe if the Alamo did a 3D screening of it, I would go try to check it out again. But yeah, at home, I just the story itself isn't enough for me. It was really the like the, the outer space made a, a great set piece for the negative space. Um, so it, like it made the 3d more impactful, if that makes sense to me. Mm. Um, so yeah, like there was a lot of tension in that. Uh, like I really felt like I was there with Sandra Bullock in there and, uh, yeah, like at home, I don't feel like I, I would be as satisfied without the, th- the 3d component. So, um, yeah, but it is I, Alfonso Cuaron up to these days. He did something recently. What was it? Well, he did Roma. Ryan, you're um, on your phone. Why don't you look it up for us? <laughs> <laughs> the last thing he did was Roma. Um, yeah. That it was I like saw two years ago, right? I think it was 2019. More than two years ago. Yeah, 2018, yeah. 2019? Yeah. He, yeah. Maybe he's just chilling out, working on Gravity 2. Or something that's like about to come out that we don't know uh, about yet. He's produced a lot of stuff lately. Maybe he's remaking Prisoner of Azkaban. Who knows? But, uh, yeah. Um the I, last I, thing he directed was Roma in 2018. Nailed it. Yeah. So, yeah, like, uh, you know, my list is also a celebration of things I enjoyed in that year, not just, like, the films themselves, but the experiences. So I was like, that was impactful enough. It should stay on here. And so, yeah, that's my number nine. Nice. I just hope George Clooney makes it. Zach? <laughs> number nine. <laughs> see, see, George Clooney dies really early in the movie. Mm-hmm. But... She materializes him as like a, you know, helping her survive. I want to say it led to one of the best Emmy jokes of all time. I think that was the Emmys. I don't think it was the Oscars. Uh, Not Emmys. Golden Globes. Whatever. With Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. mm -hmm. Where they're talking about how George Clooney would rather float away into space and die than spend any more time with a woman his own age. (laughs) Something along those lines. Nice. Thankfully, those jokes have now transferred over to Leonardo DiCaprio, so George Clooney can get a break. <laughs> um, all right. My number nine is a film that might uh, will probably be higher on somebody else's list, and it wasn't intended to sweep. I really do like <laughs> Says it. Says the sweeper. I really do like it, but um, I have not watched it since I saw it in theaters. But it was a good screening that I had, and it is a, it's, it's a very solid slasher movie, and here it is. I just want you all to know how much it means to us that you're all here. Thanks to mom and dad. Beautiful. Just a perfect day. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank thee for thy food and help us to do our part 
with kind words and loving deeds. Amen. Amen. It gets dark, we go home. So yeah, my number nine is your next, um, a film that I, I mean, I saw the trailer, I got excited for it, but then I, I didn't fully think about it until I got invited to go watch it, um, at a theater. And I, uh, was very impressed by how it flipped around a home invasion story and a kind of a, uh, and then there were none sort of a vibe. Um, it's, it's a very, uh, solid i don't know if this is adam wingard's debut it can't be right it's not no yeah but um but it was a it was the first thing i had seen him do and he that since then it was a guy of like okay like i even if i don't get to his stuff right away he's somebody that i know would be solidly reliable to watch like i still haven't seen the guest yet which i've heard is amazing um so but yeah it's just very solidly executed um this is a this is a film that comes out years before ready or not like ups the ante with the goofiness of it. This is a far more, it's got dark humor in it, but it is much more interested in being a horror movie than ready or not was in, in places. Um, so if anybody hasn't seen it before you, you owe it to yourself to check it out. It's low, low level on cast per se. I think Adam Brody might be among the biggest people in it technically. Barbara Crampton. Well, Barbara Crampton. Yeah. But, um, uh, in terms of maybe like, uh, like any major marquee names you're not going to get that but you are going to get some solid performances all around in an ensemble and you get a very creepy aesthetic and those animal masks are just lovingly iconic for for the film itself so so yeah number nine you're next it's always one of those films that um because i go off letterboxd it was actually made in 2011 Mm -hmm. and it didn't get released until 2013 so it's on my 2011 list yeah um and it's i always forget sometimes because I see so many movies, <laughs> if uh, if I don't keep a running total, like Brad used to be really good when they gave movie tickets out of keeping an actual binder of the tickets. Yeah, used to be good. I, I still do it. How do you get your Alamo ones? 
those I, I uh, screen grab on my phone and I save them in a f- digital file. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. And then you can print them out years later and then. So, yeah, so I always forget. Um, my number nine is also a horror film, but it's with the classy horror film guy that I am, not the uh, trash slasher fan that Zach is. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> My number nine is Under the Skin. Um, you're right. Uh, Brad mentioned while this was playing that it doesn't seem a kind of movie I would like. And normally it's not. But there's something that's really unique about a horror film about a woman that is literally hunting men. Oh, that might be a spoiler for the movie. <laughs> um, but anyway, whatever. It's 10 years old. Um, but in it, Scarlett Johansson plays a woman who hunts men. And the the film slowly unravels as it plays out, and it's um, it's bizarre, but it's also kind of haunting as you watch it. And you realize pretty early that uh, her character isn't what she seems to be. And as the film gets to its climax, is where it gets really kind of fucked up. And I don't know. It's one of those horror movies. That as you watch it, it's very, it's a slow burn. It's not like gore central, but it's, it's a very haunting film. And it, when I was done watching it, every time I watch it, I, I, I kind of feel empty after I watch it. Like, man, what did I just watch? And I don't feel good about myself. Um, yeah. And, you know, it, it also might be a horror film I would recommend to someone like Corinne who maybe doesn't necessarily like them because... It doesn't rely on gore, and the the scares and the suspense come from just yeah, just, just the, the overall 
yeah, yeah. the mood of the film. So it's more of a thriller, you'd say? Mm, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's hard. Like, it's... I was thinking about, like, I, I put it in the vein of, like, the vibes of Hereditary. Like, not surprising, it's an A24 film, but it's, yeah. like, it's, yeah, it's a slow burn, and, like, it's probably not as horrific as Hereditary, but, yeah. like... Yeah, it's definitely a way better film than Hereditary. <laughs> um, but it has, like, a similar vibe to me. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. They, um, you know, where Hereditary, in its climax, goes, like, balls deep into psychological horror, this one kind of does, but in a more... Um, muted approach like the the ending I'm, I'm if you haven't seen it i'm not going to spoil the ending but the ending is pretty shocking and it leaves you going this sucks um but the film is really well shot scarlett johansson is awesome in it um if you haven't seen it, it's a really early a24 film too yeah i was about to say uh a24 does really beautiful physical releases of their films but not their oldest films yeah and so i would buy under the skin if they did release it but unfortunately yeah it's, it's only the recent stuff that they put out yeah you know because you say that too because I, I didn't know anything about it you know i like to think of myself as like a a consumer of physical media but you're talking about marcel the shell and i go man that is like so nice that they sell in their store um and they only sell it in their store yep um i don't even like midsummer but they're like yeah the green knight one looks great the lighthouse looks yeah. great i bought the uh everything everywhere all at once um so so if you're looking for really cool physical copies a24 store has very cool exclusive stuff in it corinne number eight my number eight is almost definitely going to be a sweep so i apologize in advance you think you can't make mistakes But the choices you make could get yourself and everyone under your command killed. But I believe in you, Jim. Darkness is coming. This could just be the beginning. Beginning of what? All-out war. Request permission to go after him. I cannot allow you to do this. Jim, you're not actually going after this guy, are you? Let's go get this son of a bitch. You are a poem, Kirk. Sir, there's a ship heading right for us. You can't even guarantee the safety of your own crew. Shall we begin? I'm sorry. We're outnumbered. Outgunned. I have no idea what I'm supposed to do. I only know what I can do. She's gone. No, she's not. No ship should go down without her captain. I believe. 
believe in you, Jim. My number eight is Star Trek Into Darkness. It's a really fun science fiction adventure film. Uh, was happy to see the kind of reboot cast come back for the sequel. Um, Brad, you'll, you'll probably know, but isn't there another version of the trailer where they did reveal that Benedict Cumberbatch was con? I think so, yeah. I think maybe something that was released after opening weekend. Okay. Because yeah. I, couldn't, I couldn't remember. I thought they had tried to keep it secret, but... Oh, they did. Yeah. I'll talk about it later. J.J. Abrams didn't do himself any favors in interviews, though. <laughs> yeah. Um, obviously, I'm a big Benedict Cumberbatch fan, so when I heard he was playing the villain, I was really excited. I think he does a great job. I actually do really like the cast um, that they had for the original Star Trek, uh, you know, like the 2009 film, and then seeing them come back here. Um, yeah, it was just a lot of fun. And I don't have like a particularly strong attachment to Star Trek as a franchise, but I had a lot of fun with the movie, so I wanted to put it on my list. So my number eight, Star Trek Into Darkness. Nice. Uh, my number eight is uh, a 2013 movie because I saw it in 2013. Are you Fuj Fujiyama? Yes, I am. Who are you? I'm a cop. His real name is Joe Marshall. They call him Samurai. He speaks fluent Japanese. He got his martial arts training from the masters in Japan. He was brought over here from the police force in San Diego to fight us. Would you like to fuck me? You're the one that talked me into bringing this moron from San Diego to fight the uh, Japanese Katana Gang. Bingo. I want him dead. I want his head cut off and brought here. Have you been circumcised? Yeah, I have. Why? Well, your doctor must have cut a big portion of it off. I want his head on this piano so that every man in my organization understands once more that no Katana gets captured alive or talks. Got that? How did you know I'd come home with you? Let's just say, I can read eyes. I feel like somebody stuck a big club up my ass, and it hurts. I've got to figure out a way to get it out of there. So yeah, 2013 had a... Uh Restoration and re-release of 1991 Samurai Cop. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I found it at the Alamo, and it's great. Uh, yeah, uh, Samurai Cop follows uh, the story of Joe Marshall, and uh, he's a cop and a samurai, and he's Fucking fighting in. the Yakuza. Um, yep. And he... Uh, Someone turns in that resume to me, I'm going to say you're hired. <laughs> he fucks and kills his way to the bad guy. Uh, yeah. So... It is like the violence really gory? I mean, eighties low budget gory. <laughs> well, I mean, like you know, Miami Connection. They it was pretty gory at the beginning where they're chopping off arms and shit. Yeah, it's about that level. Nice. Yeah, uh, there's one part where they're in the hospital and uh, um, Robert Zadar there, the guy with the huge jaw, mm -hmm. um, sneaks in in like a laundry basket, <laughs> which is like if he actually sat down in it, he wouldn't fit. <laughs> <laughs> so when the nurse like takes the 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 uh, cloths out like 
Um, it just cuts to him like standing up. Um, and then uh, he proceeds to uh, go in and find the burn victim and just uh, saw off his head <laughs> okay. and sneak it out in the laundry basket, I think. I haven't seen it in a while, but uh, yeah, I think that's what happens. You know, it's funny because as I was thinking, I'm watching the trailer. You have this ability to find these 80s, early 90s samurai movies. <laughs> well, I have to think like Vinegar Syndrome and Arrow for like releasing well, no, But I mean like me. bringing them to my attention. Oh, yeah. Ten years, man. <laughs> it was on the list last time. Was it? You had all this time to check it out. Yeah, you didn't have the trailer to watch back then, so it was just my ter- terrible explanation of the movie that mm. never got you interested. But yeah, that trailer, fantastic. But it, it seems like that time period too. There's a really big, crappy ninja movie because I mean I have Return of the Ninja, American Ninja, yeah, um, Ninja Three. Well, I think you watched the. Uh, what was it? There was some making of of like one of these things we. Uh, we're watching recently and the producer said like you know you could make any of these movies and just put ninja on the title and <laughs> yeah. like it would sell and you could have whatever you want in it um yep. so uh yeah samurai cop uh I, like that was one of the first like retro ninja ones that was introduced to mm. um so kicked off a, a long string of cool retro throwback movies that are great and restored zach number eight all right, my number eight is on this list because it's a wonderful dark comedy, and without it, I don't think I'd be here. Listen to me, Bert. Nobody likes you. Nobody will ever like you. Welcome to the amazing world of magic. Wow. <laughs> Everyone loves a magician, and they'll love you too. Do you want to be my partner? More than anything. And I'm Anton Marvelson. But of course, you already knew that. Your ticket sales suck. <laughs> what? Steve Gregg, they're calling him the future of magic. This guy's a magician. He doesn't even have a costume. I'm sure you've seen people walk on red hot coals, but I doubt you've seen anyone spend the night on red hot coals. You need to do something fresh. So this is where old entertainers go to die. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I'm not so old. May I see that for a minute? Watch this. What have you done? I'm a magician. Should have explained that to you earlier. You're Rance Holloway. I had your magic kit as a kid. I'll give you your money back. What you're feeling right now, that's why you became a magician. How did you do that? I was partially deboned. What you do is not magic. It's natural for a dying leaf to be frightened by the autumn wind. Your skin makes me cry. We need some sort of grand illusion. You and Bert Wonderstone plan to stay in the box an entire week? It's only been 20 minutes. This is the best trick ever. Twelve days, he's held his What is going through your mind? I really have to pee, Richard. It's time for my final disappearing act. Where did he go? He has gone to a better place. Goodbye, Rance. He's under the bed. I know. Why do you think they call me 
Worldwide. So yeah, my number eight is The Incredible Burt Wonderstone. Um, uh, a comedy that has very much held up in a world where we don't... We have comedies that come out today, but I don't think we get to put out comedies as varied as this anymore on a wider scale. Uh, Steve Carell, Steve Buscemi playing two magicians who have worked together for years and then split apart when the act is getting soured by the emergence of a Chris Angel mind freak-esque magician played by Jim Carrey. Um, <clears throat> and it leads to the Carell character, especially reuniting with, or discovering his idol as a kid um, and coming back as a magician in a bigger way. It's, this movie is a lot darker than the trailer let on. So I remember we all went to go see it because I was there with Bueno. I think it was Bueno and Maddie were uh, there on the episode that we were going to do as well. But I did not expect the movie to be as dark as it was. Uh, the, the, the ending of this film w involving the truck and the whole great disappearing act is a, is a very dark thought and it's played it's set alongside this Imagine Dragons song and it just it worked on so many levels for me and I think this is it was weird because Jim Carrey was still doing movies but rarely was he going back toward a 90s aesthetic or doing something darker because he kind of moved away from that after Man on the Moon so to watch him play just an utter douchebag and uh, with the with the aesthetic he's asked to do, it was a great use of his talent, um, and I think this is an early writing outing for Francis and Goldstein, the g gentleman who would end up doing Dungeons and Dragons that came out this year, uh, and I think wrote the first draft for Homecoming, Spider-Man Homecoming, if I'm correct. Um, so yeah, it's kind of cool to watch uh, those two writers at the near the start of their uh, big screen career. So yeah. It, and again, if it was the first episode of Real Nerds I was on, and uh, I've been here ever since, so I, it had to be on the list. So should have yeah. been your number one. This this movie gave you gave you a home on our podcast. <laughs> yes. You owe it. Why do you think I put it at number eight? <laughs> Son of a bitch. Anyway, yeah. Um, my number eight is really fucking depressing. Happy Hello. Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Anna, wait until we're invited. Oh, for God's sake, Kelly, get the hell in here. <laughs> what? He actually sings in the shower. So I do not. Yes, you do. Abby, can I take Joy to our house? And wear a hat, please. You're just getting over a cold. Joy, you wear a hat, too. Where are your sisters? I can't find them. Anna? Joy? Wait, I checked the entire house. They're not here. Dad, there was this RV and they were playing on it. There was, there, we thought there was someone inside. You wait here. Let me go. I couldn't find them! Detective Loki. <laughs> Do you have children, Detective? I'm going to find your daughter. Show me your hands right now! Parker. You put those girls somewhere, Alex. No. I know you put those girls somewhere. He stays in custody until my daughter's found, right? We have a 48 hour hold on. It ends tomorrow unless we bring charges. We'll charge him with something. That boy has never been in trouble, not a day in his life. Well, this thing's clean. I'd start looking in the woods by the rest stop. The 
Police said they're letting him go today. What you doing? Tony! Well, no, no, no! Day six, and every day she's wondering why I'm not there. You told us that you could protect us from everything. Why did you look for my daughter? Alex. What in the world did you do? Someone has to make him talk, or they're gonna die. We're not gonna help Keller, but we won't stop him either. Let him do what he needs to. I know you know where they are. Where's my daughter? My number eight and Corinne's number seven is Prisoners, um, a film about parents that lose their children to kidnapping and the number one suspect is set free and they take matters into their own hands. Uh, It's my I want to say it's my first exposure to Denny French guy and the, the movie is a showcase of incredible talent and acting and the film is incredibly shot. It's just uh, make sure you're, you know, somewhat in a happy mood when you watch it. Because if you don't, you'll be like, fuck. <laughs> this movie makes me sad. Yeah. But uh, Hugh Jackman is great in it. Um, Paul Dano is always one of those guys who's great in every movie he does. Hmm. And I don't know if he gets the recognition he should. Um, but yeah. Prisoners. Corinne, why is it on your list? Well, I actually just watched it last week, right before I was putting together my film Splosion list, um, because I was going through like the list of all the movies that came out in 2013, and uh, saw this was on there, saw it was a Denis Villeneuve film I hadn't seen before, um, and thought, well, it's on Netflix, I I should watch it, and yeah, you're right, it's, it's, it's a mystery thriller film, there's a lot of tension going on. Um, it is super depressing. Um, it's just, it's just so well made. Yeah, I I do think there is like some criminal underuse of Viola Davis in the film, but otherwise, just like all the acting is really great. Um, the production design, everything. It's yeah, and I love the themes of the movie as well about um, faith and belief and resilience, holding on to hope. And there's a lot of like really good video essays about it online if anybody's interested. But yeah, it is mega depressing, Ryan. You were right about that. So yeah, it's one of those things I always have a hard time recommending to people, not because it's not a good film, but because it's so it's like a downer film. And even the characters you're supposed to root for in the movie, Mm -hmm. you kind of start not liking. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal is great as Detective Loki, too. so, yeah, just make sure that if you want to watch two and a half hours of sadness, um, just make sure you're in the right mind frame. I didn't realize Paul Dano was in it until, I, you know, he his character comes up in the movie. And I didn't realize that he had been in movies back in 2013. I thought that he was a relatively new face on the Hollywood scene. Oh, yeah, so no. it was kind of nice to, to see him and be like, oh, hey, like 
maybe this was his big break. I don't know, but he, you know, uh, in tw- 2007, uh, he won uh, best young actor at the Critics uh, Choice Awards for Little Miss Sunshine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. see, I never saw that, it. Oh, uh, you should see Little Miss Sunshine. It's great. Apparently, he went to school with my friend Brett, so that's why I'm always kind of like happy to see him. Like, hey, like sort of a friend of a friend up there on the big screen. <laughs> a lot of his like it was Little Miss Sunshine and There Will Be Blood that like really pushed him into the into the scene. What uh, makes him great is he can play everything, mm-hmm. whether it's in you know comedies or being a serial killer, the Riddler. Maybe it's um, because I just saw him in the Batman the most recently, but he does really well of playing that kind of off-putting maybe psychotic sort of person or at least someone who's very disturbed yeah mm-hmm. and he's a great singer he can yeah. sing ave maria better than anybody i know <laughs> <laughs> then you need to meet more people Zach. i want that single on an lp right now <laughs> so yeah uh brian's number eight my number seven is prisoners i was wondering if we were gonna have a tag team review when you said it was mega depressing <laughs> brad number seven Uh, My number seven is another movie I hadn't seen until last night. Listen to me carefully. We must meet. Who is this? I'll explain everything. I only realized I loved my face after it had been burned with acid. Before, it was just my face. I only started laughing it again when it had partially disappeared. Do you follow? Not really. Surprising dream last night. Your dog passed you by in a bus. In a bus? In a bus. Like a regular commuter. I'm the detective in charge of finding your dog. Interesting. Do you want to see a picture of him? No. I forgot to give you this. This should help. Approach the subject of telepathic communication with your dog. I don't know how it happened or why, but the palm tree is no longer a palm tree. I don't like this at all. What I'm about to show you is highly interesting. We've accessed Paul's turd's memory. Wow. Those are its subconscious video signals. Incredible. Pay attention to what happens next. It all happens very fast. Why? 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 I'm not sure why. Anyway. Mike, where are you? I think I'm at the end of the world. Do you like it? It's kind of pleasant. Yep, and I was reminded why I was on the list the first time around. Uh, Wrong is a really weird movie. (laughs) Yep. From the makers of Rubber. Um, and, uh, the movie about the, the sentient tire. Um, if you haven't listened to our, probably was it 29, 2009, 2010 list. Yep. Um, yeah. So it just follows the story of, uh, this guy who has his dog stolen and then released because the, uh, 
Master Chang just uh, thinks he's trying to teach them a lesson about appreciating things more. Um, and so, yeah, the, the owner has to go on this journey of trying to find him. Um, and along the way, like he has interactions with uh, his friend across the street who's uh, departing life and just going, <laughs> traveling into the ether. Um, his landscaper uh, can't seem to plant the correct tree in the backyard. Um, there's a uh, private detective to try and find the dog that the uh, Master Chang hires. Um, and the landscaper uh, is assuming the identity of, uh, what's his name, Dolph, uh, the main character. And so this woman who works at a pizza, <laughs> pizza joint uh, mistakes the landscaper for him. And, uh, yeah, they have, like, an interaction. Like, she <laughs> gets pregnant and wants to, like, have the baby on a beach. Um, yeah, there's a lot of weird stuff. Um, Dolph, worked, uh, Dolph was fired, like, three months ago from his job, but he still keeps going to work. And <laughs> his office is constantly raining. Um, yeah, it's it's weird, but fun. It's uh, one of those movies that I, I, I own because of you. And, um, <laughs> you didn't trade it in? No. Well, I, I think it's 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 so bizarre, um, just like Rubber, which I also own too, um, that I don't know if I really like it or I just am hypnotized by the movie because it's just so bizarre. Mm-hmm. And for make movies like this work, you have to have the actors buy into what they're doing and everybody in it's great. And you, you it's hard to describe the film to people but if you want to watch a really quirky movie with it seems like they just throw shit and it sticks and that's what happens this random nonsense yeah. yeah but it's funny and unusual yeah like his alarm clock switches from six or seven fifty nine to seven sixty or like we walks out of his office like his car suddenly red instead of blue and uh like the, the one cop has dialogue of like um, yeah, I walked back just to pretend to ask for the information, but I'm telling you to your face that I just didn't want to tell you the information at all. Like that kind of dialogue, like yeah. people are just like explaining their thoughts openly. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's wild and it's, you know, it's my number seven. So it's not like yeah, the no. best thing I saw this year. No, it's just, but it's so unique that I think you have to see it to believe it. Yeah. All right. My number seven. Uh, there were two films released this year that satirized the American dream. One of them was Spring Breakers, and the other one was the better statement on the matter. I'm hot. I'm big. No. No. My name is Daniel Lugo, and I believe in fitness. All this began because it was time to push myself harder. Oh, there you go, yes! Otherwise, I was looking at another 40 years of wearing sweatpants to work. Mr. Dobo, are you currently using steroids? I think they messed me up. Don't worry, that's what we specialize in here. Penis magic. I'm a self-made man. I made a lot of money. Maybe yourself ought to spend some of it on a salad. You know who invented salad? Poor people. 
going on, DL? He was just get tired of being where you are, Adrian. No, I kind of like it here. I mean, the weights are new. I mean, in life, man. When's the last time you paid your rent when it was due? I got a plan to change that. Where'd you do your time, pal? Up north. How you fixed for a job now? You just can't kidnap a guy and take his things. That's so illegal. For sure we can. Victor Kershaw is a criminal prick who deserves bad stuff to happen to him. We go through with this. Nobody gets hurt, right? Oh no, man. We snatch him. There he is. We grab him. He signs a few signatures. We give him a protein shake. He doesn't even know what happened. I watched a lot of movies, Paul. I know what I'm doing. The Sun Jim Gang has successfully acquired every asset you had. What happens now? Now I go to work. I gotta get a pump. That's it. It's good. It hurts. I know it does. That's it. Get it. said no violence. And I meant it when I said it, I swear to God. I cannot kill. Duly noted. Look, when this is over, we'll all go camping. All right? Okay. So yeah, my number seven is the best Michael Bay movie that has ever been made. And it is called Pain and Gain. Uh, the whole satire on the American dream that the film uh, contains is not the most subtle and nor is it even the the most well executed in cinema history period. I think a, one of the reasons that this film still sticks out to me is I'm not a Michael Bay guy. I really am not. I like the rock fine Armageddon's fun. The transformers movies. I dutifully went to just to watch how much more they could shove into those things. Uh, and as noted in episode 600, I still want $4 back that I wasted on. I am number four, which he only produced. Um, but this film stuck out because, and I read a review after it came out and after I had seen it that helped me quantify why. You can tell when Michael Bay casts a movie that he's actually a big Coen Brothers fan because there's several people in those Transformers movies that are Coen Brothers people. He really wanted to make a Coen Brothers movie, and he kind of succeeded. <laughs> uh, the difference is that he thrusts his own adrenaline into the mix. Later uh, analysis of the film that I've read have been fascinating in the sense that it's kind of a it's 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 <laughs> some people have said like Michael Bay hates humanity and this is the evidence and I'm like I don't know if it's strictly that but this movie is one of the most like oh my god life life is terrible people are shitty movies that I've ever seen where it's so on your face uh, nobody is redeemable in this movie whatsoever and you are literally watching shitty people do shitty things without the Coen brothers quirkiness about it it's very much on the surface oh my god this is terrible 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 keeps getting worse uh and it is interesting to watch the screenwriters that have since gone on to define not just captain america but avengers movies doing something like this uh this is a script of theirs that got greenlit after captain america Winter Soldier, I guess. But I guess Michael Bay has been wanting to make this movie for years based off of Pete Collins' article. Uh, and it just still delivers. And I think everybody in here is giving a sort of career best performance. Not Anthony Mackie, per se, but he's very fun in it. Dwayne Johnson, this is my favorite role he's ever done in terms of not just being an action hero. He's being an actor in this movie, and he is 
100% succeeding. And Mark Wahlberg, it's it's at least in his top three roles. And he's a guy that I don't really like watching anymore. But I rewatched this movie gearing up for Film Explosion. And man, everything about it still works more or less. The, the, the one thing that I've learned over time, though, is that, yeah, Michael Bay's sexism and borderline racism is is still very hard to swallow and uh, remains so to this day but if you can push past what bay has in terms of an aesthetic and look at a filmmaker trying to actually make a small movie and definitely succeeding it's worth your time and frankly of the two movies that cover the american dream that have elements of sexism in them this movie is 10 times better than spring breakers hands down uh so yeah number seven pain and gain that is a fun movie. Yeah. Um, my number seven is definitely going to be a sweeper. It's by one of my favorite directors, and it's a third part. Ever had one of those nights that starts out like any other, but ends up being the best night of your life? I did. Our goal that night was simple. 12 pubs, 12 pints. From the first post to the world's end. But that night, we never made it. I saw the boys the other day. Uh-huh. We're going to go back to Newton Haven. Why? Five guys, 12 pubs, 50 pints. 60 pints. <laughs> Steady on, you alky. This is our chance to finally finish what we started. <laughs> we are going to do the Golden Mile, and this time we are going to see it through to the bitter end. Or lager end. Good evening, Raimondo. The prodigal son's return. Hi. What do you recommend? Beer. Mmm. One tap water. What? What the hell is this? Why are we even here? We are here to get annihilated. You come back and everything's sort of weird. I suggest you get on your way. It's not us that's changed. It's the town. We are going to get to the world's end if it kills us. Welcome home, boys. end what do we do let's finish our drinks fuck you dude (laughs) uh number seven for me is the world's end it is the uh, last part in the cornetto trilogy uh by edgar wright simon Pegg, and nick frost um it's a story about friends who go back to their town to finish uh epic pub crawl that they never did um while the trailer and the selling point of this film is an alien invasion type of film like a pod movie yeah um what makes this film good is it actually explores elements of your life that you as you've grown up that maybe you're still in the past and your friends have outgrown where you're at and it also looks at alcoholism in a very uh, sobering way. Um, no pun intended. Um, Intend that pun, Ryan. Come on. <laughs> but <it's>, Commit. <laughs> uh, it is a really fun movie. It gets really heavy at parts. Probably Simon Pegg's best performance in an Edgar Wright film. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I really like the movie. I just connect with Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz a little more. 
but it by no means does it diminish how cool this movie is. Um, and obviously, two other people are going to talk about it later. But it, it, it's a good film. I, I think maybe why I don't have it higher is the ending to me is just okay. Um, but you should see it. It's a wonderful film. Corinne, number six. And I, I think this is the first time like Zach's actually been mad. Oh, no, I'm not mad. <laughs> no, no, he's, no. Just, he's just sitting there with his arms crossed like, fuck I'm this guy. furious. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, I, I've been up since 4 a.m., so I'm a little tired. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Corinne, number six. Uh, my number six is also a really depressing movie. Come on, guys. <laughs> hey, my last one wasn't depressing. They said that you had abandoned him as a baby. I did not abandon my child. You'd be 50 today. Who is it? Uh, your wife tells me you think you're mildly depressed. Well, I got the sack. I'm unemployed. Yes, but it wasn't your fault, was it? That's why I'm depressed. This is Martin Sixsmith, used to be the BBC's man in Moscow. Became a spin doctor for the government, and it all went a bit tits up. I always say, you know, if you shovel shit for long enough, eventually you're going to get some on your shoes. <laughs> yes, you got it on your head. How do you manage that? <laughs> I know this woman. She had a baby when she was a teenager, and she's kept it secret for 50 years. And what you're talking about uh, would be what they call a human interest story. And that's... I don't do those. Why not? You think I should do a human interest story? Hello. You must be Philomena. I think what they did to you is evil. I don't like that word. No, no, evil's good. Story-wise, I mean. I was going to ask you if it would be possible not to use my real name when you write the story. What about Anne? Anne Boleyn. That's a lovely name. Oh, well, somebody had that. Yeah, we're going to have to use your real name, Philomena. I'd feel more comfortable if I could speak to Philomena in private. You're a journalist. Well, I used to be. Martian's a Roman Catholic. Well, no, I used to be. There are avenues we can pursue in America. I'm getting the royal treatment, Martian. I feel like the Pope. Champagne or bucks first? Oh, no, thank you. It's free. Oh, I, I see. You have to pay for everything on Ryanair. Look at the view. Wow. I only want to know if he's all right. What if he died in Vietnam? Or what if he was obese? What well, makes you think he'd be obese? Because of the size of the portions. I met him. Where? At the White House. Did you remember anything he said? Hello. Hello, hello. I might have been high. Oh, Martin. I just want to talk to you about my son. He was taken from me. And I've been looking for him ever since. Why would God bestow upon us a sexual desire that he then wants us to resist? The thing is, I didn't even know I had a clitoris, Martin. Right. So my number six is Philomena. Which is a kind of a weird dramedy. Um, I I would probably characterize it more as a drama, but as we saw in the trailer, there are a lot of comedic elements in the film. Um, kind of a dry, dark humor, and it's just a wonderful story about um, this former journalist who is sort of recruited by Philomena's family to help her track down the son who was taken away from her when she was living in a convent. Um, that he was a child that she had out of wedlock and he was adopted um, without her permission to this family in the United States. And it's in the trailer, so I guess it's not a huge spoiler, but what ends, what they end up finding out is that um, her son later went into politics in the United States and that the uh, journalist guy played by Steve Coogan actually met him at one point. 
So it's this kind of beautiful small world moment. And she wants him back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it, the ending is pretty sad. I think that's where maybe it dips more into the drama for me. Um, almost kind of like a tragedy when you find out how the story really ends, but it's a beautiful, beautiful movie about, um, you know, like a sort of a journey of faith and forgiveness and just like the, the depravity that even people in positions of power and positions of faith can have over those who are vulnerable. And, um, also just like Judy Dench is always a win in my book and Steve Coogan is great in the movie. And of course, since it's, you know, sort of a British movie, there are a ton of like background actors in the trailer. I noticed there was like Anna Maxwell Martin and I'm like, Oh my gosh, she's from like a billion period dramas I love. So yeah, it's, it's a movie I haven't seen in a while, but I do remember really enjoying it. So my number six is Philomena. I think given Coogan's career uh, or screenwriting career or prior comedy experience, you're not expecting him to uh, be writing this film, uh, which is kind of amazing. So, Brad, number six. Uh, my number six is a crazy college party comedy. Imagine a university. Where I can be unique. In a family of thousands. Where I can love to learn. And learn what I love. Time for a celebration! We'll be ready! Five, six, seven, eight! Seven, eight, turn! James P. Sullivan. I'm gonna be a scarer! Were you kissing my hand? And what about you with all your shedding? I don't shed. Really? Just wait, Hotshot. I'm gonna scare circles around you this year. You're not even in the same league with me. (laughs) The MU Cafeteria has some of the best chefs in the world. Welcome to Scaring 101. You don't need to study scaring, you just do it. That is a good point. You might want to hang out with someone a little more your speed. Wanna join Uzma Kappa? We have cake. If you're not scary, what kind of a monster are you? I'm Art, new age philosophy major. Thought you might like to keep a dream journal. Is that a joke? The Scare Games, a super intense scary competition. You could totally die. And it's worth it. If you lose, you will leave Monsters University. Fine. Behold, my brothers of Uzma Kappa. I have an extra toe. (laughs) Not with me, of course. Let's begin the first competition. Uh, Good luck, ladies. Thanks. We're going to rip you to pieces. (laughs) Tentacles and serpent's wings, they do. Don't go in there. Just reach deep down and let the scary out. Tonight we party like scarers! I can't be late on the first day. Uh, yeah, my number six is the Monsters, Inc. prequel, Monsters University, which is Pixar's take on the uh, classic uh, 
college fraternity is going to get shut down unless they uh, complete <laughs> these challenges. With the crusty old dean. Yeah, by the crusty old dean. And, um, yeah, the, uh, I haven't seen it in a while, but I, I think uh, by the middle point of the movie, Mike and Sully become friends, not the end, right? I, I don't uh, remember it super well. <laughs> that they don't become friends at the end? Like, uh, like they start out not friends, but by the middle they become friends. And yeah. They have to save the fraternity by the end. Yeah, I couldn't yeah. remember if there was like. Yeah, they have that big, like decathlon kind of thing at the end. Yeah, but that was like about the cheating. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, Pixar. They do great work. They do. It's it's awesome seeing a movie that old and the animation is still freaking incredible. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, that's my number six, Monsters University. All right, my number six uh, is a movie by uh, a fabulous filmmaker doing a genre that I'm not incredibly versed in, but hella enjoyed watching on a big screen, and here it is. We always thought alien life would come from the stars, but it came from deep beneath the Pacific. What the hell is going on? First kaiju made land in San Francisco. The second attack hit Manila. Then the third one hit Cabo. Then we learned this was not gonna stop. In order to fight monsters, we created monsters of our own. We needed a new weapon. The Jaeger program was born. Two pilots, our minds, our memories, connected. And man and machine become one. Um, yeah, my number six is Pacific Rim. Uh, I remember seeing the trailer for this film before it came out and going like, I don't think I need to see that. I guess I'm fine. I like Guillermo del Toro, but I don't know if I need to see this. And then I was, the weekend it came out, I was beyond depressed, sad to, like, probably the the worst I'd been in a long time. 
and Bueno uh, hit me up and said, you want to go to Pacific Rim? And so I called out of work and went to Pacific Rim, and it was worth it. Uh, this film is just a fuck ton of fun. Uh, I, uh, I'm i not versed in kaiju. I've started to learn a little bit more about it um, over the last year and a half. Um, but I just love the whole design of the world, uh, the way Del Toro handles um, essentially a big old monster movie and finds a way to make the whole robot uh, ro- the robot experience unique in a way that Transformers can never and will never do, no matter how much they try. Uh, and uh, just watching a bunch of really talented character actors selling the reality of this, whether it's uh, Ron Perlman, Charlie Day, or leading men like Idris Elba um, and Charlie Hunnam, everybody in here is just firing on all cylinders. I think my love of this film is the reason that when Pacific Rim Uprising came out, I was far more defensive of it than other people because I just enjoyed the world. It's it's Hobbit syndrome for me too. It's like if you if you get me invested in the world and you don't mess up the second time or anything like that, I'll forgive a lot of other stuff. Um, and so Pacific Rim is one of those films that and in 3D looked fucking phenomenal. Um, one of the I'd say there are like three solid 3D movies that came out during the boon. It's Hugo. Pacific Rim and Jackass 3D. Those are the top three films to come out of that technology, hands down. Um, so yeah, number six, Pacific Rim. My number six is a film that James tried to get me to watch forever. And it's one of the longest running jokes on our podcast. Um, it's about a rivalry. Death, the more alive you feel. You're James, aren't you? Yes. Who's that? It's Nicky Lauda. He's just been signed by Ferrari. This is nobody. Look at the way he's driving like an old man. Right now, with zero incentive, why would I drive fast? Because I'm asking you to. Incredible battle between these two great drivers. Next time I'll have you. No chance. You're just a party guy. That's why everybody likes you. Yes, I know. I'm terrible. No, you're not terrible. You're just who you are at this point in your life. To be a champion, it takes more than just being quick. You have to really believe it. I've been waiting for this my whole life. I can beat this guy, trust me. He's consistent, dependable. Will he put his life on the line the day that it really matters? Welcome to the racing grudge match of the decade. World champion Nicky Lauda, trapped in a searing inferno of 800 plus degrees. Talk to me, James. Don't go to men who are willing to kill themselves driving in circles looking for normality. And what did your wife say when she saw your face? She said, you don't need a face to drive, you just need the right foot. I feel responsible for what happened. Watching you win those races while I was fighting for my life, you were equally responsible for getting me back in the car. 42 days after his near-fatal accident, Nicky Lauda will race here today. Fear of death is the will to 
Uh, number six for me is Rush, the rivalry. Um, <laughs> it's one of these films that James wanted me to see so bad, and for some reason I was like, nope, not watching it, not going to do it, um, and really not any real reason. It's not like my aversion to anime like Corinne wants me to watch. You just hate Ron Howard so <laughs> much. <laughs> no, it's I, I don't know why, and it, I finally – I'll never forget, I was at – I don't know if it was Second and Charles or whatever, and they had the Blu-ray there, and it was like three ninety nine. I said, you know what? This is the week. This is the week I'm going to watch it. <laughs> and then it sat on my shelf for like a year. <laughs> and then I watched it, and then James was right. This movie is really great. Um, there's something about car racing movies that are so much fun, whether it's Ford v. Ferrari. Um, even Gran Turismo this year was still a fun movie. Uh, but this one, the races are cool, but the characters of James Hunt and uh, Nicky Lauda are just really fascinating. And how a rivalry between people can also inspire you to be a better person is uh, really the crux of the film. And yeah, Ron Howard directs the hell out of it. It's beautifully shot. I don't know who the cinematographer is, but they did a great job. Um, you should definitely see it. Don't wait like me. Well, I mean, you've already waited if you haven't seen it now. And it's twenty, you know, it's ten years ago. Mm-hmm. But listen to your friends. Sometimes they have good recommendations. Yeah, like the hateful eight. Um, <laughs> no, I I like this movie a lot. It it came close to be on this list. I I I've looked at it as a film that clearly Ron Howard, out of all the films he's done within the last ten to fifteen years, it's one that he was clearly passionate about doing because you can see that in every inch of the frame. Like yeah. it's it's like it's such a detailed car movie, and knowing that he started off making car movies for Roger Corman, it it it, it feels like a special movie for him. You know? I agree. Corinne, halfway there, yeah. rounding second base. That's <laughs> uh, on second. No, who's on That's a, actually Third base. a very apt metaphor, Ryan, considering that my number five is a baseball movie. <gasps> my daddy left us. I was only six months older than you are now. I don't remember him. You will remember me. Jackie Robinson, a black man in white baseball. I want you to know I'm there for you. Yeah, my heart. Think about the abuse that he's going to take. Your enemy will be out in force, but you cannot meet him on his own low ground. What you going to do if one of these pictures throws through your head? I'll duck. (laughs) Mark my words and circle this day. Negroes are gonna run the white man straight out of baseball. This ain't the America I know. You hear me? If they knew you, they would be ashamed. If Robinson can help us win, then he is gonna play on this ball club. You don't belong here, and you never will. Get off the field. Brooklyn Dodgers ain't changing our way of living. We're gonna be down. 
you are not the only one with something at stake here. You want a player who doesn't have the guts to fight back? No, I want a player who's got the guts not to fight back. You give me a uniform. You give me a number on my back. I'll give you the guts. I father, I Brooklyn Dodger them. I Jack, I Rob, I Sin. Oh man, I'm Jackie Robinson. Set when I run base, I dodge the pen. I'm just a ball player. You a hero. Watch you look in the mirror. This is a white man's game. I'm not going anywhere. I'm right here. I'm a Brooklyn boy. I may take some getting used to. Maybe tomorrow we'll all wear 42. So my number five is the movie 42, uh, the story of Jackie Robinson. I actually just watched the movie this week for Film Explosion. Hadn't seen it before, even though it was in a movie Madness last year, or I guess this year, but um, so well done. It just made me miss Chadwick Boseman so much. Um, we lost him way too soon. Such a great, talented actor, and he just gives his all in this movie. Really sad he didn't get nominated for like an Oscar or anything like that. And Harrison Ford's also really good in the movie. This is maybe one of his best performances I've seen in a while. Mm. I think as he's gotten older, he's generally just kind of phoned it in. Um, maybe that's just partly because of the roles he's been taking, a lot of sequels and things like that. But um, here I thought he was actually really bringing it. And there's also just a bunch of other great character actors in the movie as well. Um, just a wonderful story about Jackie Robinson becoming the first uh, black baseball player in the MLB and uh, transitioning from the Montreal Royals to the Brooklyn Dodgers they were at the time and uh, of course you find out at the very end of the movie that 42 is so iconic now as his number and it is the only number that is retired in all of baseball and there is a great line in the movie which was kind of in the trailer where one of uh, Jackie's teammates says you know maybe tomorrow we'll all wear 42 but the trailer cut out the second part, which is very profound. And he says, because then they won't be able to tell us apart. Um, and then I guess, you know, now they have like a Jackie Robinson day in Major League Baseball. And everyone wears 42 yeah. out there in his honor. So great movie. If you haven't seen it, please watch it. Um, I'll, yeah. I'll always mourn the fact that Spike never got to do his uh, Robinson script. But this film is is far better than I would have expected it to be when I went to go see it. And I, I, I agree with the Harrison Ford thing, and I actually think he should have been nominated for the Oscar for it. Cause I, would have been, I would have been fine with him getting a supporting actor nomination. He fucking nails Branch Rickey and what you think Branch Rickey is. Like I'm not a baseball expert, but my dad and I talk baseball a lot, and, and knowing who that guy was and what he was what he was known to do, like Harrison just fucking nails it on all cylinders. So... It's yeah. also just a quintessential sports movie. You know, it's very, you know, obviously there's a lot of challenges and tribulations that the players and everyone has to overcome through the movie, obviously Jackie most of all. Um, but, you know, it, it ends on a very inspiring note and, you know, brings tears to your eyes, or at least it did to me. So I think we need more movies like that nowadays. So I'd be fine if the sports movie 
genre kind of made a comeback. But anyway, my number five is 42. Hell yeah. Brad? Uh, yeah, I guess our first repeat is me. Uh, my number five was Star Trek Into Darkness. Things um, we'd be too bad then. Yeah, not too bad. Um, but yeah, uh, it's kind of a malign film. I don't think it's as bad as people made it out to be when it came out. Um, I do think following in the footsteps of Wrath of Khan was a misstep. Um, but uh, it's our first glimpse into seeing that uh, first evidence that J.J. Abrams, Abrams has a little hard time making sequels uh, to hits. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, uh, well, I, I get the homage to Wrath of Khan and everything in it, but it just feels so fan servicey, uh, much like Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Um, so, Brad, let me ask you, at least from what I've seen on the internet, I think a lot of people had two big problems with the movie, one being the Khan thing that I guess people were speculating ahead of time. Is he Khan? Is this Benedict Cumberbatch character Khan? And, uh, you know, J.J. Abrams or whoever was like, no, 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 it's a totally new character. And then, of course, it ends up being Khan, as you find out midway through the film. And yeah. then the other thing I've seen a lot of complaints about is how they bring uh, Kirk back at the very end with the super blood yeah, and just, how it kind of undercuts all the sacrifice in the movie. Yeah, all that emotion from the scene of them, that role reversal is just like, oh, doesn't matter. <laughs> Kirk's alive. Um, so, but I mean, if you, if you left it, you know, then the third one probably been like a search for Spock rehash. So, you know, they can't have that. Um, yeah, the best thing was... Ha- Best thing would have been just not to touch that scene at all um, and done something different. But, uh, yeah, I, th- I think uh, playing coy and hiding that you were going to reboot this character all the way up to, like, the premiere probably was just, like, just so unsatisfying, you know? It should have been. They should have gone the route that everybody speculated, which was Gary Powers um, from TOS, the from Where No Man Has Gone Before, episode two, oh, yeah. I think. Um, Adapt a different episode. Yeah, yeah. Th- yeah, that, and just to utilize that and have it be like a great friend of Kirk's that maybe went missing or something, you know? Yeah, and the whole like super mil- militarized like Star Trek plot is like not that interesting. Um, it does provide a point for Khan to say my favorite line in the reboot uh, uh, trilogy's history, which is Khan just grabbing Peter Weller and going, you should have let me sleep, and then just fucking killing him. Like, it's a great, it's like, sinister death sequence. Yeah, but on the plus side, you know, the, the characters are back from the original one. They're all charming and fit those roles in a reboot capacity very well. Um, and the action's great. Um, but, yeah... It's, it's kind of the script and uh, I guess marketing choices. Even the way not. he says the I am con line makes it sound like, oh, we're supposed to know who he well, I mean, obviously the audience knows who he is, but the way he says it, he's expecting the characters to be intimidated somehow. Yeah. It's like, I am con. Like, okay, who? Yeah, they have to bring in a character from a different, uh, a different multiverse to explain the other characters like what he is um and that's a bit of a cheat because like oh those characters can't beat him they have to just uh recall the, the other timeline spock to do it the only way you'd know who khan was is if you followed us or if somehow watched television from the 60s <laughs> Q exposition yeah like yeah going for khan was just i, I don't know why they ever thought th- like they that they thought this was going to be like impressive enough to um, it assuage 
fans ire i guess it's the oceans 12 of of these three movies because uh beyond just kicks it up a notch and goes right back into the gears you wanted to yeah there's so many other great star trek stories that could have been readapted or expanded upon so Mm -hmm. anyway but yeah it's 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 still enjoyable enough that it's my number five yeah right on zach five my number five is a horror film by a director that I continually get impressed by, even though he has he doesn't need to impress me anymore, but he still manages to do so. And in 2013, he put out a movie that uh, uh, was the next logical step after you make something like Insidious, and here it is. All right, it's 918. We're headed down into the cellar where the door's just opened on its own. You give us a sign that you want to communicate with us. What are you guys? Well, we've been called ghost hunters, paranormal researchers. But we prefer to be known simply as Ed and Lorraine Warren. There's someone here that would like to talk to you. There's something horrible happening in my house. November 1st, 1971, I'm sitting here with Carolyn Perrin, who, with her family, has been experiencing supernatural occurrences. You picking up anything in here, hon? Something awful happened here, Ed. What is it? Whatever Lorraine sees, feels, touches, it takes a toll on her. A little piece each time. You have a lot of spirits in here, but there's one that I'm most worried about because it is so hateful. That's not going to help. This thing has latched itself to your family. Father, we've never seen nothing like this. I'm coming with you. No way. I can't lose you. There's a lady in a dirty nightgown that I see in my dreams. She's standing in front of my mom's bed. So yeah, number my number five is The Conjuring, uh, James Wan's uh, first uh, outing with the Ed and Lorraine Warren thing. Um, I, I'm I'm aware that the Ed and Lorraine Warren thing is contentious because they may or may not be con artists, um, according to various different sources. Um, and I've seen both sides of the argument. But for me, the whole true life story thing it means very little to me. Um, all you'd need to know is that these guys are technically the people that made Amityville famous. Um, but the, the thing that this movie does in addition to kind of upping the antes that James Wan was working with and insidious in terms of things in the background, creating a mood and dread is that this film 
unlike most films where a house gets possessed and we're focused on the family getting possessed and whatnot, we split the difference and we talk about the family, but we're also there to meet these two demon hunters or ghost hunters, more or less, uh, and get a really grounded emotional experience from them as well. Uh, I think this is the smart thing that this film does is that it just doesn't folk. It doesn't just focus on a family getting haunted. It also focuses on the people who are there to help other people. And it, it's a very interesting character study as a result. And I think that that dynamic is what carries strongest in conjuring Two um, to create such powerful characterizations out of, um, Wilson and Formiga's performances. It's a it's a testament to Juan's abilities, not just as a horror director, but as a director. Period. Um, he 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 creates very grounded and likable characters that you know, no matter what road they've gone down with this Conjuring universe, I've been on board to give each and every one a shot because of the strength of that first one and that second one. Um, I don't think I would have watched the first Annabelle had I not been like, well. I like conjuring, you know, um, or even given a, given a shot to something like the nun, like I would have been like, I don't need to see that a spin off of this, but I'm like, well, I really like conjuring too. So I'll go watch the nun. Um, so yeah, it's number five. It's a very strong, um, James Wan outing that I think in a lot of ways, one of the reasons that I kind of roll my eyes at Aquaman, even though it's a fun movie, I'm kind of like, eh, but I love you doing horror movies, man. I, I wish you'd just, do keep doing them. They're really good. Um, so yeah, number five, Conjuring. I, I struggled when I was promoting this because I did the Conjuring as one of the movies, uh-huh. and I said, "Don't leave us hanging," because it's uh, kind of been bad taste. A, but it's funny. <laughs> I mean, the, they don't the hanging thing's not really a prevalent thing, and I don't, and it's part of the poster, like the yeah, post- no, that's what I was going with. I, I, was like, eh, I get. I'll- I get it though. Somebody could take that the wrong way, and we wouldn't want to give that impression. I <laughs> yeah. think it's. I, I hope everybody got that. It's just, you know, for yeah. Fun. If anybody has is suffering out there, please uh, uh, call someone for help. Um, my number five is an ensemble horror film. Sad. <laughs> <laughs> I have the best week could ever plan. James Franco's having a giant party. <laughs> yes. Everybody drunk. Oh my god, if I don't fuck Michael Sarah tonight, I'm gonna blow my brains out. What's up, Brianna? What? Fucking pale, 110 pounds, hairless, probably has a huge cock. Don't fucking touch my bumper, yeah. bitch. Yeah. Oh, a weird face. So hot. <laughs> oh, what did you just fucking blow on me? Don't worry, it's just heroin. Are you shitting me? No, I'm just kidding, it's cocaine. But that's still very bad. Office is urging people to stay in their homes right now. Siegel's dead. Krumholz is dead. Michael Sarah's dead. In the bed? It's already going crazy out there, guys. I'm not leaving, okay? I'm a victim. When I was a kid, I had man titties. The bullies held me down. They titty fucked me. We are actors. We pretend to be hard, man. Yeah. We solved this baby shit. Helicopter. It's gonna be fine. <laughs> oh, you okay? No, I'm not okay! Fuck your house, Franco! What you got to say? 
We should just stay in here, fortify this bitch, and take inventory of all the food and shit we have. We got 12 bottles of water, 56 beers, half ounce sour diesel, one ounce of shrooms, CT Crunch, a Milky Way. Can I have that Milky Way? No, you can't have the Milky Way. It's my special food. I like it. I want some of the Milky Way. I'd be pretty bummed if I don't at least get a bite of the Milky Way. What you want, son? This is my game. This is my lane. Get out of the way. What you want, honey? What the hell? Oh, my God! Oh. Emma Watson showed up. There are six of us, you cannot rob us! I'm not fucking around! Ah, Look at the drinks! Ah! Hermione just stole all of our shit. Ah! Please, you've got to let me in! Things have gone crazy out here! I'm sorry, we just don't know you, man. You could be like a looter or a rapist or a titty fucker. I'm not a rapist! You gonna titty fuck us? If you want me to titty fuck you, I will! So good! Oh, you love it! There's something out here! Uh, number five for me is this is the end. Um, it's <laughs> all these actors, James Franco, Seth Rogen, um, Craig Robinson. They're basically playing in like inflated versions of themselves and they always want to party. And their friend Jay, um, who's also in the group, but he feels like he doesn't belong in Hollywood is visiting Seth for the weekend and they go to a party and at, while they're at the party, the rapture happens and um, they have to learn to survive. And they learn that because they're actors and piece of shit people that they don't go to heaven mm -hmm. um, and they don't understand why. And it's just really, I watched it recently because when I do uh, my spooky season, I go to a horror movie generator, which just randomly picks a film for me. And as I was watching it, I forgot just how funny it is. And just insane the film is. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, it's just a lot of fun to watch, and um, Danny McBride in it is. Oh, this is, is great. He's it's one of his funniest performances. It's like the way he just completely fucks everybody yeah, over. He just, <laughs> you know when he, when he hands him the prop gun from Flyboys. Yes, and he actually tries to shoot them all. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then he shows up a little later. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. With uh, Channing Tatum. Um, but yeah, I, I just think the movie is insane and really funny. Um, yeah, because I also like that they play on that Jay hates Jonah Hill so much. <laughs> and and Seth is like, Jonah's like the sweetest guy. And the whole time at the party, Jonah is saying, isn't that what funny what Jay just said? He's so funny. And then he gets raped by a fucking demon. And um, becomes possessed. And he catches on fire and they try to put him out by throwing a blanket on him. and just engulfs him in flames. I don't know. It's funny. Yep. This is the end. My number five. Corinne, number four. My number four is another movie that is kind of equal parts depressing and uplifting. Dragonfly ran away 
But I came back with a story to say available? Yeah, we have a blue one and a red one. I'll take the red one. So my number four is The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Um, I actually didn't see this up until a few years ago. I think I saw it at home with my parents. Um, it's, I, I feel like I remember seeing that trailer a lot though, but uh, so Ben Stiller's character works at Life Magazine. He develops film negatives um, that I I think it's just like the one photographer he works with now because of course you know everything's going digital. So there's only like I think the one staff photographer who uses film, and his he's played by Sean Penn. And there's kind of a misunderstanding between uh, Ben Stiller's character and Sean Penn's character um, that their life is gonna make their final print um, edition and Sean Penn's character has been tasked with like finding the photo that's going to run on the cover and so he gives it to Walter Mitty um, who's played by Ben Stiller and Walter doesn't he he thinks like oh where is it like it's missing like because I guess it's like number 25 on the roll and He's like, it's not here. I don't know where it is. So he's trying to track down Sean Penn's character um, throughout the course of the movie and trying to find, you know, where is this missing photo that's supposed to run the cover of the final edition of Life magazine. And um, over the course of the movie, he's, you know, he's this very, like, standard office guy. He doesn't go out, doesn't do anything, you know, just kind of a homebody. And the story forces him to get out of his element, to see the world, to do new things, try new adventures. And there's this beautiful scene where he ends up catching up with Sean Penn's character in the Himalayas, I think. And they see a snow leopard um, that Sean Penn is photographing. And he asks him, like, well, aren't you going to take the photo? And Sean Penn says, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I just let the moment be. Um, and that's a great scene. But uh, the, the final revelation of what the photo is always sticks with me. Um, if you see the film, it, it really makes sense and it really hits hard. I won't say what it is because spoilers, but you won't, <laughs> that's like your jam. I know, right? Trying to be better. But anyway, just it's so relevant to my life, you know, as a print journalist, as a photographer, as someone who is seeing so many of these longstanding publications, either shut down altogether or just move to digital only it makes me a little sad and so that's why this movie really hits home for me um especially now but 
Yeah, so my number four is The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. I haven't done this yet, but I would love to do this because it's a remake of a Danny Kaye film from Golden Age Hollywood. I would love to watch them back to back and kind of see what each does better than the other because Danny Kaye is a very specific type of performer and Ben Stiller's doing something it was all his own. And so it would be interesting to kind of compare and juxtapose them a little bit. Right. I actually, I think I did figure out at some point it was a remake, but I haven't seen the old one at all. Mm -hmm. So I would be curious to do that too. It's not, it's not the best Danny Kaye movie, but it's, it's a movie. Yeah. I'd be curious how the plot would be different because so much of the movie revolves around that kind of push from print to the digital age. And obviously that wasn't the case in old Hollywood. No, 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 no. I don't remember the original that well, but it's, I more go off of like, it's an excuse to watch Danny Kay, whereas Ben Stiller is creating a more nuanced world, it seems. So, so yeah, my number four, Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Brad? Well, I'm skipped over again because I have another repeat. It's The Incredible Burt Wonderstone. Uh, my number four. Yeah, my number four. Yeah, take that, Brad. <laughs> Just a, a ton of fun uh, movie. Uh, I've watched it a few times since. Um just laughed my ass off. Uh, it's a comedy. <laughs> I can't, I'm not, not going to have a deep critique on it. Turns out they didn't want magic. They wanted food and water. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> All right. Zach, Zach already did it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Number four. All right. Um, oh, yeah. My number four is by two brothers who never made a bad movie. Ever. Oh Ever. Hey, it's me, Lewin. Yeah? Can I come up? No. Explain the cat. What's its name? I, I don't know. He snuck out Do you think you're staying here tonight? Leaving. Oh. I was hoping to. So... I can't stay here tonight. If I had wings, I'd know it's done. What'd you say you played? Folk songs. Folk songs. Solo act? No, I had a partner. Threw himself off the George Washington Bridge. George Washington Bridge? You throw yourself off the Brooklyn Bridge, traditionally. George Washington Bridge? Who does that? Well, I had a man long and tall if the music's not... What? Quit? Just exist? Exist? <laughs> Is that what we do outside of show business? There was no advance on my solo record. There's got to be some royalty. Christ's sake, it's cold out. I don't even have a winter coat. You're kidding me. Take this kid. No. No. I remember one evening the pouring rain in my heart was an aching pain do you ever think about the future at all? Don't worry. With you, I worry. Well, you shouldn't. Yes, I should. God knows you never do. You just let other people at your method of birth control. Muddy rivers, muddy and wild. Can't give a bloody for my unborn child. Oh! 
folk singer with a cat. Is that part of your act? Every time you play a C major, you'd puke a hairball? Off, Pop. Shipping out. Try something new. Here's this. We used to like this. So yeah, my number four is Inside Lewin Davis. Uh, uh, when I say that this was one of the worst. <laughs> years within my depression and alcoholism uh one of the another like huge regret was that i didn't see this in a theater i think it's one of the it's one this and the conjuring are the two that i didn't get to see in the theater uh because i go to coen brothers religiously especially with my dad uh when i finally got around to it though i was uh very uh delighted to see that they had gone back to kind of a little bit more of a barton fink type of vibe and they go back to one for the ending that is remarkable and it also has a nod to uh, probably the biggest name in folk singing that came out of that Greenwich Village scene um, but also seeing them play in the world of music again which they hadn't really done since Oh Brother Where Art Thou where you have a really great soundtrack curated by T-Bone Burnett um, it, it plays into that impression one can get from the Greenwich folks uh, singers scene um, but just weaves a very intricate tale about a pretty big fuck up um, and the kind of the ins and outs of living life as a fuck up. Uh, and uh, it, it's I, I love Oscar Isaac and other things from Ex Machina and Star Wars and whatnot. But I think this is my favorite performance he's ever given because it's just so unabashedly complex and dynamic. He's yeah, he's a piece of shit, but he's not a he's not unlikable. He's not unsympathetic by any stretch. He's just a very human character. Um, uh, and it's nice to watch Oscar Isaac play something like that. So, uh, so yeah, number four inside Lewin Davis. Oh, and John Goodman's back with the others. Uh, and he should come back to them more. I'm always down for more John Goodman. Uh, my number four is finally going to pick this fucking podcast up. This is a race on a train. This chaos. A thousand people in an iron box. 18 years I've hated the train. 18 years I've waited for this moment. This is your world. The train saved humanity. The engine lasts forever. The population must always be kept in balance. I said sit down. Passengers, eternal order flows from the sacred engine. We must occupy our preordained position. I belong to the front. You belong to the tail. Know your place. Keep your place. Those bastards in the front think they own us. We'll be different when we get there. What do you say? We take the engine. And we control the world. When is the time? Soon. This is 
disorder. We're going to the front. Open the gate. We know you well, Mr. Curtis. We've been watching you. Precisely 74% of you shall die. Not a leader. You're ready, our leader. This is your destiny. Uh, number four on my list is Snowpiercer which stars Chris Evans, directed by Bong Joon-ho, who did Parasite. It kind of, uh, he's, I think this is actually his first English film, and it might be his only one. Uh, well, Okja's got some English actors it does, in it. but I, I mean, like, primarily English. Mm. Um, the, it's based on a graphic novel where the world is basically frozen over. The world's population lives on this really long train, and each cart on the train has something different in it chris evans and the characters we meet are basically the poor people they're given this gelatinous food that's like jello made out of animal parts and shit or or is it bats i can't even remember now um but anyways so he kind of organizes a rebellion and they have to fight to the front of the train where the engine is at and each cart presents a new challenge and it's just a really cool movie. The action scenes are awesome. Uh, Chris Evans is great in it. And uh, I saw a little bit of Tilda Swinton, or Heard. She's really great in it. Um, it's just a cool movie. It's one of those movies I watch, and uh, you're exposed to a new director, and you realize that this dude's vision for making films and how he presents things on in frame and keeps the story moving is some of the best and yeah i just think it's a really cool movie and he, he going on to parasite uh is really the next real movie of his i saw but uh, he definitely has a voice and even though this is an adapted work he makes it his own movie and it's it's a good time at the film place which would be a theater the cinemaplex <laughs> yes I go to the movie home as well. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Number four, Snowpiercer. Definitely check it out. Corinne, number three. My number three is also a post-apocalyptic movie with a bunch of cool action sequences. You understand that whatever I do, it comes back to you and mom. I don't want you to get hurt. Since the last games, something's different. You can see it. What can you see? You saved us. I know that. But I can't go on acting for the cameras and then just ignoring each other in real life. She's not who they think she is. She has to be eliminated. I agree, but in the right way. At the right time. We have to go before they kill us. They will kill us. People want to fight. I'm staying here. They fought very hard in the games, Miss Everdeen. But they were games. Would you like to be in a real war? 
Imagine thousands of your people dead. Your loved ones, gone. What do I need to do? This is the 75th year of the Hunger Games. The tributes are to be reaped from the existing pool of victors. Hannah! I get to say goodbye. Hannah! So what do we do? I think these games are going to be different. The 75th Hunger Games! Ready to work? There she is, Captain 17! The girl on fire! you guys to forget everything you think you know about the games. Last year was child's play. This year, you're dealing with all experienced killers. Any last advice? Stay alive. So my number three is The Hunger Games Catching Fire. Um, as far as The Hunger Games franchise, I don't have a super strong attachment to it. I actually never read the books, although I think they were getting popular when I was still in high school. And then I guess the first movie must have come out while I was in college. I, I saw it at some point. I don't remember if it was in the theater or if it was later on cable or something. But Catching Fire as a premise is so well done. The, you you kind of have like two really big storylines going on in the movie. The first is that this is because it's like a quarter quell. It's like a special Hunger Games. So the concept for this quarter quell is that they're going to reap all of the tributes from the existing ones from each district. So that means that despite Katniss and Peeta having lived through hell in the first one and course you know they they thought like oh if you survive the hunger games then you get this like posh life you're set up forever you never have to go back um and then of course that's not the case for them they immediately have to go back into the arena and they have to face um you know a, bi a living nightmare all over again and that that scene where Peta offers himself to go instead of Haymitch is yeah it's really well done um, but then you also have this other underlying story thread of this kind of rising rebellion. Um, what is going on with all the rebellions uh, going on in this year, Ryan? Maybe, yeah. maybe the upper class needs to be destroyed. I'm just saying. Yep. It's how we, how we roll. Yeah. Yep. Fight back. It's almost as if capitalism is terrible. Um, and I actually didn't see Mockingjay part one or part two, but I think... This movie, you really get across like. Wait, you haven't seen the other ones? I, I didn't. I I know what happens in them, but <laughs> you're, you're, eh, I heard the movies were not great. Oh, they're fun. Your, your viewing <laughs> habits are so weird, Corinne. I, I know. Cor I know Corinne, Ryan. Corinne, it's better than I am number four. No, I, and Divergent. This, uh, this <laughs> you, you've seen the best one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it went downhill from um, here. This film on the original podcast is one of the, our most infamous episodes. I'll fucking cut you, right <laughs> Ten years later. <laughs> um, we get into this huge argument, uh, James and I and Brad, so much so that Carol always comments that she was saying, boys, boys. Mm -hmm. 
because I, for some reason James and Brad hate those movies, and I think they're good, and I think their arguments are not valid. I don't hate them; I just think they're dumb. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so it, it's very contentious. The, these movies. Those are great back episodes to go to because uh, mm-hmm. Brad in the edit lays in uh, Star Trek battle music, the fucking Ponfar music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I will have to go back and find those, Ryan. They're, you should. <laughs> yeah, so like I said, I think the movie is really well done and I'm happy to hear that I'm not the only one who thinks so that they're the people, the, the main fans of this franchise agree like this movie is the best of the whole quadrilogy or whatever. Um, and I do think like the way those two storylines enter twine really it really works um two great scenes uh are when all the tributes have to go on tv the night before and of course they're all really upset because again they were promised this posh life if they won the hunger games and now they have to go back into the arena and potentially die and so they're all super upset and they're doing whatever it takes to try to get the games canceled and it ends with a pita lying to everyone and saying that he and Katniss got secretly married and that she's pregnant and that Hamish in the audience gives them this nice smirk like yeah yeah good job (laughs) way to lie your ass off to try to do whatever you can Um, and then on a darker note the scene where um, Katniss is about to go up to the arena and I think she's talking to Cinna her um, I don't know person her hairdresser yeah her kind of her assistant uh, guide person and uh as she's about to go up she's already like in the tube she's locked in she can't escape and people come in and they beat senna and drag him out presumably dead and as she's watching this she's rising up on the platform to the hunger games arena great reveal the concept of how the game arena works is great so it's a really well-made movie and I'm sad that Mockingjay kind of lets everybody down, but yeah, Hunger Games Catching Fire is my number three. I don't think Mockingjay is bad films. You should watch them. They're, I like them. They're good. Maybe someday, but I'd rather really, rewatch this one. I mean, I can give you my Blu-rays I have because I have the deluxe steelbook set of Ultra HD. Are you going to trust the opinion of a man who did not know what Samurai Cop was until today? Oh, fuck. <laughs> it, it does give me an internal dilemma, but having seen the films, I do trust Ryan's opinion. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Brad? Just one time. Yeah, just... <laughs> I don't know if you want to do that. Number three. Uh, my number three is the last movie I'll get tr- introduced today. Son? 
You are my son. And I have to believe that you were sent here for a reason. And even if it takes the rest of your life, you owe it to yourself to find out what that reason is. How do you find someone who has spent a lifetime covering his tracks? For some, he was a guardian angel. For others, a ghost who never quite fit in. You will give the people of Earth an ideal to strive towards. They will race behind you. They will stumble. They will fall. But in time, they will join you in the sun. In time, you will help them accomplish wonders. Your son is safe. I will find him! My father believed if the world found out who I really was, they'd reject me. He was convinced that the world wasn't ready. What do you think? What's the S stand for? It's not an S. On my world, it means hope. Well, here it is an S. How about... Excuse me. Yeah, so my number three is Man of Steel, uh, a movie I, I do enjoy. Um... You know, it's interesting watching that trailer again, Brad, is I remember how much I love the music and I love a lot of aspects of that film. I love when, I mean, they show it and he pushes his fist in the ground and twists it and you can see the power that he has. And there, there think, is, it's, it's a good movie and I love Kevin Costner in it. Yeah, I think if it had come out maybe five, four or five years earlier, um, I think it just got sandwiched in a time of like, you know, the Dark Knight blew up, and so it's like this world of cynical superheroes is, like, on the rise. But then Marvel comes in a year before and, like, returns us to, like, oh, you know, you can translate the page of fun superheroes mm-hmm. and make it work. Um, so, like, this is right in the middle of that. And, um, you know, we're making fun of, you know, Jonathan Kent dying in the tornado. But, you know, when you think <laughs> about it, you know, this is, a, like, set That's in modern times. Like, if he sentence. did expose his powers, then, you know, like, there's cell phones and everything. There's, like, no way you could hide mm-hmm. that event from people. So he would be a Superman right, right away. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, later, you know, he, a lot of, like, like a lot of throat, uh, blowback on the killing Zod. But, like, he killed Zod in Superman too. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that, and I, I, I mean, we haven't talked about Iron Man 3 yet. But in that, Iron Man literally burns holes in people's chests. Yeah. It's just, it's, I don't care. I mean, is it what he does normally? No. But, I mean, is he going to just let Zod kill innocent people? I yeah. Mean, like That's the dilemma, well, right? Yeah. Like, there's no Krypton. Like, what prison are you going to put him in? Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, you don't put him in prison. You just snap his neck so his head faces the wrong way. Yeah. Like, stuck in the moment. Like, that was his best solution. I mean, yeah, I, I guess really he put his like hand over his eyes. Zone. I don't know. Exactly. Yeah. I think, you know, it's one of the saddest things about this film for me is 
this is not I'm not trying to push a button with any Snyderverse fans out there. But you I, are. I well, I also <laughs> think I, I like Zack Snyder's Justice League, but I also think that the Snyderverse fans tend to whine a little bit way too much. Um I wish this film uh had gotten to bear forth a trilogy that wasn't burdened by the success of the Avengers. Uh, where it got to be its own Superman trilogy. That's what I would have wanted. Because um, I don't mind Batman v Superman, but it, it I kind of want to know where the story goes with Superman. I don't, for the first time in a long time, I, I can say, like, I don't care about Batman. I kind of care about what What are you going to do with Henry Cavill's Superman? Um, and I feel like, unfortunately, the the trajectory of the Avengers changed the mo the motivation for making these movies all together, um, yeah. which kind of sucks. I enjoyed BVS, but I feel like we explored the dark breed Superman in this movie already. So it was kind of a little bit redundant. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I think overall, they're all a good exploration of like the real reaction to if a God was on earth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and how to deal with that. So, but uh, yeah, um, I think it's great. And uh, my man steals my number three. Zach, you're number three. All right. My number three is either a swipe or a tag team. I guess we're going to find out when I press when he presses the button. Yeah, my number three is Evil Dead 2013. Uh, of all the remakes of 70s or 80s uh, horror movies that went for a more grittier tone, this might be the most successful at w accomplishing the mission. 
uh, even more so to me than Texas Chainsaw Massacre did because, well, especially more from my personal taste, because it doesn't shy away from being a dark comedy, but it is very interested in being a a more aggressive horror movie than its predecessor. Uh, I think that the addition of having it be about a drug addict um, in recovery and how that uh, catapults elements of the plot and the emotional strain throughout is fantastic. Um, and this is the... I have been going to movies now for shoot, at least 30 of my 32 years on this earth. I have only barfed in a movie theater once, and it was in this movie when she splits her tongue in half. I immediately ran to the trash can nearest the exit, and I hurled mightily into that trash can. I had never been put in that position before, so it had to be this high up for... If a movie can get me to that point where I'm like, oh, there's a visceral like bodily reaction, yeah, it's... It's a great movie because it does exactly what it asks, what 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 you would ask of it. Um, it's I like Evil Dead Rise more now, in uh, within this year and like comparing the two because that one's a little bit more fun while being intense. But this film is super strong. It, it remains a high water mark of horror at that time. Corinne, what do you think of the trailer? I don't want to watch that ever again. Hmm, maybe I should just watch that anime you told me to watch because you said you'd watch any movie if I did that. So might have to do that. Did, if, if it makes you feel any better, Corinne, my, my girlfriend will not. She only watched Army of Darkness because I told her it had zero, zero blood in it. She will not do this at all. Yeah, uh, There's a geyser of blood in Army of Darkness. Yeah, but that's Heavenly not... Heavenly God! But, but okay. <laughs> but you know, and I know you're goofing around, but... There's a world of difference no, between no, this no. and Evil this uh, Army of Darkness. Evil Dead. This is slowly a, went um, more uh, like zany, like a Looney Tunes, and then they're like, you know what? Let's just make it super intense. Yep. Um, and then Evil Dead Rise split the difference. So, my number three was actually my number one, I believe, in the original, 2013. And this, if you were going to give me everything I want in a movie. It's definitely this film. It's a Disney film. It has Tom Hanks in it. And it also deals with one of my most favorite movies of all time. Winds in the east. Mist coming in. Like something is brewing. About to begin. Ladies and gentlemen, we are beginning our descent into Los Angeles. Welcome, Mrs. P.L. Travers, to the City of Angels. It smells like... Jasmine. Chlorine. And sweat. <laughs> Introducing the creator of our beloved Mary. Poppins. Never ever just Mary. Now, where is Mr. Disney? She's here. Well, Pamela Travers, you can't imagine how excited I am to finally meet you. Would you mind? My name is Mrs. Travers, Mr. Disney. Oh, Walt, now you gotta call me Walt. 20 years ago, I made a promise to my daughters that I would make your Mary Poppins fly off the pages of your books. I promised them, Pam. I know what he's going to do to her. She'll be cavorting and twinkling. He can't make the film unless you grant the rights. Damn. Now, let us begin. She has a lot. 
lot of ideas. What kind of ideas? Responsible's responsible. Now, how no, 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 no. Responsible is not a word. We made it up. Well, uh, unmake it up. She won't approve Dick Van Dyke. No. No. The Ventus house doesn't look like that. No, no, it's all wrong. It's all wrong? Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious! Stop! Mary Poppins is not for sale. I won't have her turned into one of your silly cartoons. Says the woman who sent a flying nanny with a talking umbrella to save the children. You think Mary Poppins has come to save the children? Oh, dear. Mr. Travers, what am I missing here? I'm wondering what I have to do to make you happy. You know, you've never been to Disneyland, and that's the happiest place on Earth. No, 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 please. Well, when does anybody get to go to Disneyland with Walt Disney himself? There he is. Where did she come from? Mary Poppins and the Banksies. They're family to me. Mary Poppins was a real person? So it's not the children she comes to save. It's their father. It's your father. You don't know what she means to me. I won't disappoint you. I swear every time a person walks into a movie house, they will rejoice. Don't you want to finish the story? The boys have come up with an idea. I think it's gonna make you happy. You didn't bring me all the way here to tell me that. Oh no, I had a wager. I couldn't get you on a ride. I just won 20 bucks. Yeah! Number three, for me, is Saving Mr. Banks, which tells the story about how Walt Disney was trying to convince the author of Mary Poppins, P.L. Travers, to let him make a film version of her books. And she is notoriously very hard to talk to um, for a woman who made <laughs> children's novels about a magical nanny. Um, she was very uh, not a happy person. Um, and there's just a pin I, I love Mary Poppins and I love Pinocchio. And I think the magic of Disney is told really well in this film. Yes, I'm aware that it's not 100% true, and I don't care. I, I want a, a story where it's Uncle Walt, and he's trying to secure this these book rights. And it also highlights the Sherman brothers, who are so important. And uh, his speech that he gives her towards the end of the film literally makes me bawl my eyes out. Um, and where you learn that it's not about saving the children. It's about saving the father of the children. It also makes you watch Mary Poppins in a whole new way. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I, I freaking love this movie. And it's beautiful. And it has Tom Hanks in it. I don't think there's anything wrong with a biopic about about a, a, an event in Walt Disney's life taking some slight liberties with with disney in the respect that this is much more a pl travers movie than it is a walt disney movie yeah uh, and I, I look at it as they're just putting uh tinkerbell dust on it yeah to make it yeah. fun yeah and tom hanks is doing a fairly cool uh job playing walt oh, and sure. whatnot i i do get the southern twang in there but you know, it's, mm -hmm. he's he's making a choice, and it's yeah. and I respect his choices. I remember seeing this movie in a theater and crying with my aunt, and it was it's a it's a magical film. It is. John Lee Hancock's a good director. Yep. It's been a while since I've seen it. Maybe even since the theaters, but 
like you said, Ryan, that scene at the very end where they're having that conversation about, I think, like him growing up in Missouri or somewhere. Mm -hmm. It Um, is Missouri. Yeah. Yeah, Well, Kansas. Yeah, Kansas City and uh, Marceline. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good scene. And I actually really like the flashbacks to her childhood in Australia, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it. It could have worked, I think, if they had focused more on the kind of P.L. Travers biopic aspect and maybe toned down the Disney stuff a little bit. But, I mean, that's the movie they wanted to make, and I thought it was actually pretty well done. And is this, like, around the beginning of the Colin Farrell-isance, more or less? (laughs) Because this is the first time I watched a movie and said, man, Colin Farrell's an amazing actor. Yeah, mine happened ten years earlier in Daredevil. <laughs> oh, that was that was a bullseye for you, was it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hit the mark right yeah. there. <laughs> Corinne, you're number two. My my number two. Oh, right, it's a repeat. Um, I think my only repeat of the list. Maybe we'll see. Um, but yeah, my number two is Man of Steel. Don't have a ton to say about it. It's. I think going in, I was pretty hyped for it because I like Superman. I obviously really enjoyed Christopher Nolan Batman movie, so he was like, what, producer, executive producer on it. Something like that. And then I actually did know who Zack Snyder was because I was a big fan of 300. I was hoping you'd say Dawn of the Dead. Nah. Um, But yeah, so I thought, oh, those two, like, really good visionaries, you know, working on one of my favorite superheroes. Like, well, it can't go wrong. And... I think I was underwhelmed then. I'm still underwhelmed now, but there are some aspects of the film I really enjoy. <laughs> You're underwhelmed by it, but it's still your second favorite <laughs> film of the year. I told you, Ryan. 2013 was, was a weird it's year. It's a weird year, yeah. I, I guess. God, you guys are so weird. I, yeah. Of course, my favorite part of the movie is the <laughs> fact that uh, this confirms that Clark Kent, a.k.a. Superman, is a KU fan. That he He's wearing a KU Jayhawk shirt at one point. And I think toward the end of the film, like right before Zod shows up, he's uh, watching a KU football game. And only the real, at that time especially, only the real KU fans watched the football games because the team was terrible. So, yeah. Also, you know, he's another journalist out trying to stop injustice and, and whatnot. Wears a lot of red and blue. I'm just saying. If I'm, I mean, if you want to confuse me for Clark Kent, that's fine. But. You know, it's funny. I never see Corinne and super journalist in the same room ever. I don't know what it is. Wait, Corinne, take off your glasses. Oh, my God, you're super journalist. <laughs> yeah. It all makes so, sense now. I actually kind of agree with Zach about, you know, trying to have more of this universe standalone without, you know, roping in Batman and all the other drama I actually think Henry Cavill is a pretty good Superman. I think I remember yeah. watching the Tudors around this time. And when he was cast, I was like, oh, yeah, like Henry Cavill from the Tudors. I just uh, rewatched The Count of Monte Cristo. Yeah, he's in that. He's plays he, a... He's a little baby face. Uh-huh. Skinny, baby, skinny baby face. It's like, wow. It's like a CGI face <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> plant on a Yeah, he plays Fernand. More like Superboy, am I right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it could have been a good trilogy if we'd gotten it but oh well so yeah my number two is man of steel nice but also that movie totally does not know how tornadoes work brad uh yeah my number two is another repeat it is uh this is the end Damn. which ryan 
I'm the, just the jerk Still of from this, me. this year's. Let's beat him with microphones after this. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I think it was my fourth or fifth on the list the first time around, but I've watched it so many times since 2013. Uh, it is so much fun. It makes me laugh. Um, yeah, just a bunch of dumb dudes hanging out in the apocalypse, um, <laughs> fighting with each other. And yeah, uh, Danny McBride just <laughs> ruining everything for them. Um, that, that character, that arrogant character of his, he's, uh, parlayed into three HBO series. <laughs> yep. Um, I mean, Eastbound and Down is great. Yeah, but it's essentially the same, like, <laughs> yeah, just overconfident. The, yeah, just a total dick. Piece of shit, yeah. Right, like, right I'll, to the... I'll come wherever I want, Frank. I'll fucking come on. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to do something nice for you guys, make you food. <laughs> <laughs> that movie is so ridiculous. And you're right, awesome. when he, like, tries to murder them all with a prop gun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, when you're not going to let me stay? <laughs> I, I do love too that they how they make fun of each other for the movies they've been in. They keep on calling Franco Goblin Junior. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, <laughs> Jonah, you're Oscar nominated actor. <laughs> <laughs> See some emotion here. Uh, yeah, this is the end. Um, very easily could be my number one as well. Nice, Zach. Number two. My number two is a big debut break from a director who would go on to uh, revitalize uh, a, um, uh, a franchise and start one. But back then, it was very small. Fire, fruit fair. We're just trying to get home. What is going on? Next stop, Fruitvale Station. We're gonna go to Frisco, right? See the fireworks? Yeah. We're gonna say bye. Bye. Love you too. Everything's changing around me. And I wanna change. Hey! What's that, girl? I'm trying to get back on my feet. I really need this job. I hired somebody else. What'd you do today? I thought I could start over fresh, but it ain't working out. I'm scared. I hear guns. Don't just firecrackers. You're safe inside. What about you, Daddy? We'll be back before you wake up. I'm gonna be fine. You guys got plans for the night? I meet up with the fellas, head out to the city. Why don't you take the train out there? That way you guys can hang out and not have to worry about anything. Hey, Oscar. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. Happy New Year. Happy New Oscar? Year. Oscar? Oscar from Pharmacia? Get off the train now! Put that phone in. Are, are you still on the train? We still have proof there. Why can't you tell me what is going on? What is the problem? What are you doing? Oh my god. Good, I'm good. I'm good. We're gonna be good. We're gonna be good.
So yeah, my number two is Fruitvale Station uh, by Ryan Coogler and starring Michael B. Jordan. Um, yeah, uh, I knew the story going in. I already knew what the true story was. Uh, so to watch it be more of a movie about him as a person and digging into Oscar's life rather than having it be a uh, like an aftermath story, um, I think was incredibly compelling because it humanizes um, what at that time would have otherwise just been a tragic news figure. Um, and it's definitely an early film that points to issues that we've been uh, far more aware of within the last uh, six to seven years. But these, these things were starting to become a little bit more prescient in uh, 2013 too. Um, Cause this is the same year also we were dealing with um, uh, uh, Trayvon Martin. Uh, and so to watch a director effortlessly, handles such a human story first and foremost and uh, an issue drama second I think is so powerful and it's one of the reasons why it took me a while to get to it but I ended up going to Creed uh, and watching Creed because I trusted Ryan Coogler uh, like it, if it would have been any other director even if they had Michael B. Jordan in it if it had been any other director I would have been like I don't give a shit about Rocky anymore Balboa ended it just fine and Coogler gives me reasons to care about the characters he puts on screen. Uh, it's one of the reasons why Black Panther's like one of the few Marvel movies to reach a top 10 for me is because he creates amazing and compelling characters and or extrapolates true ones. Um, and Fruitvale Station is a, is a tour de force for Michael B. Jordan. It's a crime that the man has not been nominated for an Oscar at all. Uh, and the fact that he has been at the forefront of some of the most amazing performances of the last decade uh, makes it a further travesty. So uh, if anybody wants to watch where Kugler and Jordan really came from here, this is the movie and it, it's an absolute triumph. Unfortunately, it's put out by the Weinstein company, but I'm sure you could find it used somewhere. Well, you can't bastardize everybody who worked for the Weinsteins. It's not their fault. True. And technically they don't own these movies anymore now. So um, I'm giving it now to see. Miramax slash Universal. Who am I giving it to now? I don't fucking know uh, anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's just, you know, it's hard. I mean, the wine scenes are horrible people, but, you know, mm-hmm. the people that made the films aren't necessarily bad people. Oh, no. It's just, no. They're just, unfortunately, always going to have a stain on them because of what they did. Yeah. I will say that I wish, I, I love that Coogler's done Black Panther and Creed. I kind of want him to go back to doing something small again. Doesn't have to be like a social issue drama. It could be like just a. It could be a romantic drama. I don't care. Yeah, I mean, he might. Who knows? Yeah. All right. Uh, my number two is the third part of a film series. It makes it deals with being um, and and dealing with uh, post traumatic stress and how it affects us. And not only does it affect everyday people but it also affects the heroes. I'm Tony Stark. I build neat stuff. I got a great girl. And occasionally, save the world. So why can't I sleep? You elected me on a single platform. I will defend this country at all costs. 
The Mandarin must be stopped. You don't know who I am. Tony Stark. Things are different now. I have to protect the one thing that I can't live without. That's you. Mr. Stark. Today is the first day of what's left of your life. The choice. Do you want an empty life or a meaningful death? You're not a man. You're nothing more than a maniac. I'm not afraid of you. No politics here. Just good old fashioned revenge. Backup. That's your department. Here's my boys. My number two film is Iron Man 3. Um, I truly love this film. Uh, directed by Shane Black, who directed and wrote my favorite Robert Downey Jr. film, which is Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. And it really strips away the iron from Iron Man and focuses on Tony Stark. And as you watch this film now and you see later iterations of MCU stuff, um, you know, in the line in Spider-Man Homecoming where he tells Peter if you're nothing without the suit, you know, then you're nothing. And he learned that lesson in here. And too, I know a lot of people don't like the Mandarin reveal. I think it's brilliant. Yeah. Especially when you go back uh, now, uh, six years or seven years later when Shang-Chi came out, which I think is one of the most underrated Marvel movies um, because you see who the real Mandarin is and how the 10 rings all fit in. Um, I, I think the film especially now i mean when it came out it was really popular but iron man 3 now is kind of maligned and i i i think it's a really great film um i don't understand the hate for it that twist with the mandarin is fucking incredible like it's a great way to be like of course we're not gonna do the mandarin that's a hard villain to do in iron man and they found a way to later use them like the whole trevor thing i think is I remember giggling in the theater going like, oh my God, no, they didn't do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of it. <laughs> Why? Um, I think, actually, I think some of my friends told me about it before I went and saw the movie that they went to like an early screening or something. And they're like, oh yeah, like the Mandarin actually isn't really the Mandarin. And so then that really soured the movie for me. No wonder you spoil things. Your friends, <laughs> it's your villain origin story. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's it's interesting. I never got, and I've said this before with Corinne. I don't understand the spoiler like um, 
community. I, I don't understand doing that. I would never, you know, spoil this film. But I don't even. I, but I think the twist is really fascinating because it just undercuts so much of the movie for me. N- no, because he's a figurehead of a, tor- t- a terrorist organization, and I, I think it's really interesting how, in my opinion, how. They exploit the internet and they exploit news to further their agenda. Mm-hmm. And to, like I said, it, it strips Tony Stark down to who he is, whether he's having a drinking problem or he's having relationship problems or he's having PTSD from dying, saving New York in the Avengers. Or if he's stuck hanging out with a 12 year old kid having yeah. to be, and it turns into a fucking buddy cop movie and yeah, it's awesome. No, it's, yeah. it's, it's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think it's unfairly maligned. I still think it's a great movie. Um, I love when Gwyneth Paltrow knocks the shit out of Aldrin Killian <laughs> right as he's about to give his big old speech. I'm the man. To <laughs> so, yeah, it's uh, it's a fun movie. Like those early scenes with the Mandarin were just so intimidating. And then when you find out who he really is, <laughs> it's just. It colors the movie badly for me. The rest of like I, I don't think I've rewatched it ever. Just because it's like it's hard to get invested in those scenes now because I know it's all just an act. And I, I think it would have been more compelling if he was really the Mandarin or at least if he was really a bad guy and not just an actor. Well, technically he is a bad guy because he's working for a terrorist organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but so- I mean, they could have said like maybe they make him an original villain who was just uh, masquerading as the Mandarin to like hype himself up. But he still was an evil person at heart rather I, than just somebody working for this organization. Having read Joanna Robinson's MCU book recently and them talking about the numerous problems they had with trying to get the Mandarin to work, I think this was the best possible solution because you don't want to do the Mandarin. And I don't think at that time they knew how to do the Mandarin, which is the biggest villain in Iron Man, without going down the tropes. So they basically they press pause on it. And then when Shang-Chi comes around and they have the ability and capital to make that movie, then they can do a proper Mandarin as opposed to, you know, uh, a a Fu uh, Manchu-esque stereotype that basically was in the comics, if I'm correct. Yeah. So. Well, if anything, I thought it was supposed to be more of an update of the character and kind of going back to the whole, you know, Iron Man 1 is so rooted in like the Afghan war and the Iraq war. And then this was kind of like an update of that, that it was kind of steeped in that same, you know, this Osama bin Laden sort of vibe. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I think it still does. And it, and not the, that that can't be racist, too, in a different way. But yeah, but I, I think the most successful comic book movies is when you strip the hero down to their core. Mm-hmm. That's why I think Spider-Man No Way Home is so brilliant, because it's actually an origin story for Peter Parker. Um much like this is and creates who Tony Stark becomes in the later films and Spider-Man two, when he's not going to be Spider-Man anymore. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's why it works. And Corinna, all I would say is let it go. Hey, what's your number one film? <laughs> that is a nice transition there. Um, one last thing I'll say is at least we did get Tony Leung in the MCU out of Shang-Chi and the actual Mandarin. So I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, uh, Ryan called it. Uh, my number one is a Disney film. Summer in the city of Arendelle. It couldn't be warmer. It couldn't be sunnier. 
But that's about to change forever. Arendelle. It's completely frozen. Cold, 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 cold. A real howler in July. Yeah? The land's covered in eternal snow. Really? If we don't do something soon, we'll all freeze to death. You want to talk about a problem? I sell ice for a living. Ooh, that's a rough business to be in right now. I mean, that is really... Mm, that's unfortunate. My lady. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> this is awkward. <laughs> Not you're awkward, but just because we're... I'm awkward. You're gorgeous. Wait, what? Hi, everyone. I'm Olaf. <laughs> Hi. You're creepy. Whoa. I don't want whoa, it. Whoa. No. All right, we got off to a bad start. I know how to stop this winter. Yeah. Hang on. I like fast. Whoa, 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 whoa. Get your feet down. This is fresh lacquer. Seriously, were you raised in a barn? <laughs> Let's go bring back summer! Man, am I out of shape. Wolves. Stop! Whoa. Whoa! Are you okay? Uh, I've got a thick skull. I don't have a skull. Oh, whoo! Head rush! So cute. It's like a little baby unicorn. Now we just have to survive this blizzard! That's no blizzard! Sorcery. That's my sister! That would have been nice to know. Heads up! No. It is not nice to throw snow, people! Whoa, 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 uh, feisty pants. Just let the snowman be. I'm calm. Great. <laughs> oh, come on. <gasps> Olaf, you're melting. Some people are worth melting for. You're just maybe not right this second. <laughs> come on, buddy, faster. No! Those are my legs. Oh, hey, do me a favor, grab my butt. Oh, that feels better. So my number one is Frozen. Came out almost 10 years ago to the day. Um, yeah, lot to, lot to say about it, but um, it's just, I, I mean, it, it does have problems and I find the sequel underwhelming, but this movie did a lot of things right. Uh, took a lot of risks. The fact that it is based on, very ba loosely based on Hans Christian Andersen's The Snow Queen and going back to the original fairy tale and finding there's almost no connective material between this movie and that and finding out that behind the scenes, you know, they initially envisioned Elsa as the villain and then they scrapped that idea and made her more of this kind of sympathetic protagonist. Um yeah, I think it really works for the movie. I'm happy to see a Disney movie with princesses that finally focuses on the sister aspect of the like a familial relationship instead of romance. Cause, I mean, that's nice, and we do get some of that in the movie. But the core of the story is really about the sisters, Anna and Elsa. And that was something I think was missing from a lot of Disney movies up until this point, and even still today to some degree. Um, but, you know, obviously... As an older sister with younger sisters, I just really appreciated seeing that on the big screen and talking about it later after I saw it with my friend Chelsea, because um, we were both living in Wichita at the time and we've since kind of gone our separate ways, but we, we started talking about the different aspects of the film and how you can interpret it about, you know, mental health and depression and kind of Elsa's journey through that. 
um, and how, you know, the different aspects of the film relate to it and this, you know, how isolation just makes it worse and embracing your, your family, your friends, your loved ones helps to break away from that cycle of depression that, you know, arguably she was in, in the movie. Um, if you want to read it that way, um, the music's pretty good. Obviously let it go became a problem later. Not a lot of people like that song, but I thought it was, I thought it, well, where where do you go where people are like, fuck, let it go. Well, not so much the (laughs) song itself, but more how overplayed it was. They were like, oh, not again. Like, oh, I hate this song. Like, Don't Ugh. worry. Baby Shark came just in time to save the legacy of Let It Go. Uh, yeah, I think it did get overplayed to some degree, but within the context of the movie, it works. Also, I think this is the only Disney musical where, like, the villain's song is, like, a love song with the hero. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, anyway... But yeah, uh, I mean, Ryan, I know you, you might have considered it for your list because you're a big Disney guy. I did. Um, I remember because for some reason, I think Disney and Pixar do not make good trailers. Yeah, oh, that was no. a garbage yeah, this trailer. trailer. Sucks. I, I, think they're, <laughs> I think they're very generic and it must be that they're just showing highlights for children. I know I'm not the target audience, although I believe I should be. Um, <laughs> I don't even remember if I saw trailers that... I, I don't think I saw that trailer. I remember least. seeing this trailer and going, no. Yeah. And then finding out like so, a year later, oh, it's the best D- Disney animated it, movie in years. Yeah, I think it might have gotten a lot of good word of mouth. Mm-hmm, yep. And that was maybe what helped me to go see it. I think it was you, Ryan, like talking about it on the show early on that convinced me. Like, yeah, okay, I'll check I, it out. I remember, I didn't know if I wanted to see it. And I heard good things about it and i i went to the theater i don't know who i went with brad did you see this with me i've never seen this movie oh so no it wasn't brad um i, I, don't, I don't even know who was with me but I, I remember sitting and i go wow this movie is really fun and i i think the song let it go is is beautiful but i think what really elevates the song is i think the animation and the part that it is in the film is so show-stopping and mm-hmm. so beautifully done I think elevates the song. Um, I feel the same way about uh, "Remember Me" from Coco, um, mm-hmm. and I. I th- the film is wonderful, and I, I even think I think the sequel is good too. And yeah, I, I don't know. I I guess because I just don't go on the same places as Corinne. I, I just don't know where. I, I kind of try to stay away from the the vitriol and the hate on the internet. And I, I embrace each film for what they are. And I think, um, I think Frozen is a very well done and really good Disney film. Also, another movie where Alan Tudyk is the villain on my list. Because mm. he was in 42 and he plays a very racist guy. Apparently he's uh, that Valentino goat in wish yes and he sounds yes. just like clayface from harley quinn because <laughs> when, when i saw the trailer for wish which also isn't a good trailer mm-hmm. I, I i i was listening to the <laughs> the donkey i go i swear that's alan tudyk as clayface and i looked it up it is alan tudyk and i just want him to go acting and then I'm, <laughs> then i'd be really happy if he did, got snuck that into wish mm-hmm. so yeah my number one is frozen it was just a really good time seeing it in the theaters, talking about it with family and friends. So I, 
even though it's definitely not my favorite Disney movie, I wanted to have it as my number one. Brad, your number one. My number one <laughs> has already been talked about, and it's a tag team review with Zach. Because our number one is at World, uh, the World's End. Yes, damn right. Um, we made the correct choice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I, Ryan said a lot of it already. Uh, you know, third part of the Cornetto trilogy. Mm-hmm. That core group of people make great movies. Um, Cornetto. What? <laughs> Cornetto. <laughs> Um, yeah and you know while on the surface it's this uh, alien invasion story uh deep down it's about um you know getting up in years and watching your friends uh drift away from you and uh you know not letting go of the past mm-hmm. and uh you know dealing with uh traumatic issues um yeah so one of them very personal to zach yeah so we're yeah about to Oh yeah, Here. shoot, man, dude. I, I, uh, I remember fully. Like, I didn't like. I, I wasn't in the place to stop drinking yet, but I think like right after the screening, I started realizing like even further than I already started. I knew I was on a very bad path, like in terms of like over drinking too much, and I had tried to get sober like once within that year, and it didn't work out. But that movie kind of hit home how like how how uh hurt i felt emotionally by what i was doing to my body but i didn't really know how to stop um and i was not reckoning with things that had happened the year before in terms of a traumatic event so that like but the world's end helped me quantify uh the more i thought about it between 2013 to now the more I kept going back to that movie in my head, the more I kept going back to Peg's desperation to be around people that he loves and the pain he feels when he realizes how far apart he is from them. And part of that is unfortunately due to his own making. Um, I don't really, I don't relate to every single aspect of the movie and Peg's performance, but there's an empathy throughout that performance that, made me um, latch onto it in a way that I think for a lot of reasons was very helpful in me making a decision to finally stop drinking. All right. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but add to that, like remove, I'm going to remove my personal thing from it. Simon Pegg is fucking brilliant in this movie and Wright sets this up beautifully because those trailers are selling the alien invasion thing left and right, left and right, left and right. And here comes this opening in a support group. I did not call. There's a twist in this movie. The twist is not aliens. The twist is, oh my God, he tried to kill himself. That is a fucking amazing emotional twist. He's not He's suicidal. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That, that shit fucking made me lose it. And I went to the Alamo uh, triple bill of the whole Cornetto trilogy and I was smashed, that hits near the end of the night, and you're like, ah, fuck. Like, it's it's a it's a gut punch emotionally. That's to where the point where I love the ending because he has found a way to, I mean, he has, he has made peace with his friends, and he has found a way to do something that means something to him in a meaningful way, which is kick alien ours. He's kind of like Ash in a weird way. Like, he, the good thing he is the best at apart from drinking or partying is kicking the ass of aliens. So, um, but he has, 
in a lot of ways like he hasn't fully changed but he's he's definitely gone down the road of sobriety but also he's just he's found a way to kind of make peace with who he is and his wild nature without going down a self-destructive path to a certain respect and each character has some form of reckoning or redemption about them that they needed to go through um and it's a great ensemble movie too it's not just a simon Pegg movie even though he's getting the best reviews out of all of us like martin freeman's good in this andy nyman uh, uh not andy nyman sorry um nick frost um patty Considine's in it um and pierce brosnan too this is a nice little cam uh, glorified cameo by pierce brosnan in a effective role and i love bill nighy basically saying that i'm fuck it you're useless <laughs> like and just go away <laughs> um so yeah uh world's end fantastic uh my number one is evil dead um there's a lot to this film that i love um obviously the evil dead is one of my favorite horror film franchises uh, sam raimi is my favorite director when they announced that it's not even really a remake, but they were going to do another Evil Dead film and that Sam wasn't going to direct it. I was a little apprehensive. But when he I remember the interview online that he was selling the film and the director, Fidi Alvarez, and why he chose him, um, I, I knew that it was in good hands. And it is the most intense 95 minutes you'll watch in a film. And it's not, I'm not just talking about the blood and guts, but it's also with the main character, Mia, dealing with her drug addiction and trying to quit it. Um, and what's really interesting about that aspect of it is the people in the film don't believe what she's telling them about what's happening to her because they believe it's a part of her drug addiction and she's detoxing. And so it adds a new layer to the film. And then when it gets into the actual horrific parts of it, it's gore and unrelenting. And if you're not ready emotionally and physically to accept what you're about to see on screen, then don't watch this movie. Um, but that's what makes it awesome because there's a human element to it and the practical effects are awesome and the gore elements. It, it, it's, it is a scary film. Um, it doesn't pull punches. Uh, they, we didn't see it in the Red Band trailer, but one woman literally cuts her arm off with a turkey carver. Um, there's a nail gun involved. Um, and it, what, you know, actually, I think one of the creepiest parts is at the end, when you think it's all over, they, they, they set it up that the sky is going to rain blood, and it actually does. And when it, it does, the actual demon manifests itself into kind of a doppelganger of Mia. And this thing is all like, creepy as fuck looking and it chases her through the cabin and the outside part and um yeah it's quite the ride and it's it's an awesome one and i love this film and that's why it's number one on my list for film explosion in 2013 um we did get a couple of hey that's my favorite film from my list of favorite films from 2013 um yeah, it's always, um, but when people, I mean, we've all talked about it. Like, I mean, I, I like a lot of movies this year, but is there any that, you know, blow me away? Uh, Evil Dead. Um, but that's how I always know when if we get a lot of people responding, it's because it's a very popular year. Where's um, Henry? He's, he's 
movie aware enough for this year. Wasn't yeah. he only like a toddler in 2013? Probably. Really? Um, no, I'm Stephen Christian um, sent us a list, and he uh, put five on here. He has Man of Steel, Rush, Elysium, mm. Pacific Rim, and The World's End. So we all have those on our list except for Elysium. Yeah. Which, That's a Tom Cruise movie, yeah? No, yeah. it's Matt Damon, which I haven't seen in a long time. Yeah. And I can't remember if I like it or not. I, I haven't seen it since, since the theater, but I think it falls into the creator District 9 territory for me. Yeah. Which District yeah. 9 is great, but that was before both of those. So it's yeah. like diminishing returns. Yeah. And I, I didn't see it, so I don't know. A little bit of Edge of Tomorrow, Oblivion vibe. Yeah. It's something I have to watch again because I remember liking it a lot, but I can't make. Was Oblivion also this year? Maybe that's what I'm I thinking think so. of. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Oblivion is beautifully shot. <laughs> um, and we did get one from Carol. Yay. Um, she said, hello there, real nerds. Hi, Carol. I just recently listened to the 2003 film Splosion. I am happy to say that I pulled a couple of recommendations from uh, for movies we hadn't seen. The Rundown and Love Me If You Dare. No thank you to on the horror films. Oh, and thanks very much for the nice compliment when my age was revealed. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> as always i appreciate uh compliments of uh f- of the invitation for me to fill in for james i'm thinking you will give that second thought after you read this list okay so i looked at the list from 2013 right after i finished my tw- 2003 film explosion list unfortunately 2013 wasn't as exciting as 2003 i kept looking over the list and thought about re-watching a few movies that i remember as good but haven't seen since 2013 it didn't happen therefore here i am again at the very last minute pulling something of a list together just so i don't feel guilty this will be short and sweet a few i think i liked but i can't remember that well rush gravity elysium and the world's end um number 10 captain phillips not fun but amazing tom hanks true Number nine, Begin Again, Mark Ruffalo, Sweet Story. I've never seen that. Do you know what that is? Yeah, Mark Ruffalo, I think Kira Knightley. I haven't um, seen it. They're just musicians, and hmm. they do music stuff. <laughs> I haven't seen it. Uh, number eight, The Hobbit, The Desolation, Desolation of Smog. The story continues. <laughs> number seven, Two Guns, Denzel Washington, Mark Wahlberg, Enough Said. Mm. Number six, Red 2, not as good as Red, but still fun watch. Number five, Man of Steel, a very enjoyable reboot to this superhero, except for the fight scene at the end and which just went on and on. Hmm. Ah, surprise one. Number four, Thor, The Dark World. Wow. A good Marvel movie. Hmm. Number three, Frozen, sweet, funny, adorable characters, good music, good story, great message. See, this is where Carol and I are like one and the same. Number two, Iron Man 3. How could I not love this movie? It has so much of what makes for a great night at the movies and Robert Downey Jr. to make it all clever and lovable. Fun memory for Rich and me. We went to Deadwood, Deadwood, South Dakota for our anniversary that year. Well, it turned out that Deadwood in May is dead at night unless you love casinos. So we quickly looked up the movies, theaters, and drove 20 miles to see Iron Man 3. Nice. 
It's always fun when you have memories like that. Oh, yeah, totally. It's like one of my favorite memories of Batman Begins was going to see it in a theater in Tennessee while I was on vacation. Oh, yeah, it's uh, it's fun. Uh, Kellen and I saw uh, in 4DX when we were in Tennessee. Um, damn it. It's not so much the case now because I feel like it's all just the same theater chains, but it used to be like with all those independent theaters, yeah. everything looked different, felt different. So it was kind of fun to like compare and contrast like your movies and or theaters in your hometown versus elsewhere. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, we got news today that Denver's losing its oldest movie theater is the Esquire. Damn. Mm, sort of. Yep. Yep. Um, They're going to fight it. <laughs> Uh, hopefully, because, you know, it's a important landmark. Uh, and number one, Star Trek Into Darkness. Wow. Being a first-generation Star Trek fan gave this movie the edge over Iron Man 3. I've truly enjoyed the new reboot timeline movies. There is lots of fun, action, humor, tender moments, and an interesting retelling of the con story. As with Star Trek 2009, I love the cast. Agreed. Done. I'll do a better job on 2023. We just saw the Marvels last night. It has a good chance of being on my list. Hope you all are well. I would love to see you at the movies. Love and hugs, Carol. Thanks, Carol. Thanks, Carol. And I agree. I think the Marvels, for some reason, has this huge bad rap. And I don't know what's going on with that. I just saw it has like a 75% drop in its first weekend, which is the lowest or highest ever for a comic book movie. I think it's just... um, Superhero movie. Yeah, I don't know. The movie's fun. It's funny when they say like, "Oh, go go broke," and like, "Were you not here when Barbie did like the highest grossing movie of the year?" <laughs> yeah, no. And Oppenheimer just crossed nine hundred and fifty million. Yeah, I, I think there's just a combination of factors that led into the Marvels not doing well. Um, I think it was in production hell for too long, and there are too many people against it. That's a big one, and two, I think they really should have focused on Carol um, because the first Captain Marvel made a billion dollars. And you're bringing in people, and and the other female actors are great, because I love the Miss Marvel TV show. I think it's awesome, but when you bring in people from the TV show that are co-starring with her, then the movie isn't as focused. Um, and it, 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 people, when they see that, think they have to watch the TV shows, which you don't. Um, but I'm sure um, Marvel will be fine. People forget that Guardians of the Galaxy three came out this year and made a lot of money. And yeah, then, like 850 something. <laughs> yeah. And then next year they only have one, but it's Deadpool 3 with Wolverine, and I'm sure that's going to make a shit ton of money. And even Quantumania came out, but it did like yeah, it did. Thor yeah. Dark World business <laughs> yeah. or Captain America First yeah. Avenger business. Yeah, exactly. It's, Quantumania was like 500 million. Yeah. And it that, definitely I, I, I just, You know, I, I said this last week. I just laugh that, I mean, Mar- the Marvels is going to lose money, but as a brand that people want to write it off so bad and – it's not going to. Um, next week, our movie of the week is Thanksgiving. Um, Son of a bitch, Ryan. So that'll be a lot of fun. Um, Fucking hell. Uh, I mean, I just got an alert on Twitter that you didn't even think Wish was that good. So what am I missing? Well, you should see the movie. Oh, I'm still going to see it. And we can it. talk I'm, about I'm it. I'm still going to see it. I'm just saying next week is Thanksgiving. And I think it's only uh, fitting that we see a Thanksgiving movie about people getting murdered. We've been waiting for this for 20 years since the trailer showed up in Grindhouse. Is Grindhouse 2003 or is it 2006? 2007, I think. Yeah. So 16 years. And 
So I, I want to see people get murdered. They set a place for us on the table. We have to, <laughs> we have to show up. <laughs> we sure do. Uh, thanks to people that sent in your list. Get ready for your 2024 film explosion list, as that will be in 2023. 23. It'll be in 2024. That's what I meant. Yeah. Um, but it will be the movies that came out in the year yes. 2023. Yes. So 2023 film explosion is like six weeks away. So get ready for that. Um, and until then, we'll see you at the movies. Bye. Bye. Keep it real, nerds. You waited all year, hear what the nerds have chosen. I'm telling you all, it's a film explosion. Film explosion. Thanks for listening to Real Nerds Podcast, a Nebulous Visions production. Stream or download episodes, read articles at realnerdspodcast.com. Stream us on Apple or Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or iHeartRadio. Follow us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. Twitter and Instagram, at Real Nerds. Watch us on YouTube, Real Nerds Podcast. Email us at realnerds at gmail.com. Call us at 720-6Nerds5. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill, Mike at Plan 9 Studios, and Bologna for all of our groovy theme songs. <laughs>